Hey guys, John Richards, Cut Above Horror Review, episode 37. It follows from 2015. Oh my goodness, this is a loaded show. We are, are welcoming special guest for the first time, G-Baby. Yeah, a guy that we met via the uh, Straight Chillin' Podcast. Thank you so much, G-Baby, for being on. And uh, we're going to talk about this in length. And speaking of Straight Chillin' Podcast, at the end of the episode... Uh, during our review, you may hear from one of the straight chilling guys. So here we go. Episode 37. It follows. It's scary. Wear rubber. It starts now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing the film It Follows from 2015. But before we get into it, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, I am very pleased to introduce a very special guest host joining us tonight. It's G-Baby. What's up, G-Baby? Hey, how's it going, gang? Thanks for having G-Baby. me. We're super excited to have you. Uh, G-Baby is a very good friend of ours uh, that we all met through the Straight Chillin' podcast. That's pretty much where we meet all our friends. (laughs) But he's a super fan of the horror genre, very um, uh, vocal in his participation with those Straight Chillin' guys and the Slack channel. And that's how we all became friends. So we wanted to have him on to join us for an episode. Awesome. Yeah, thanks again. That's a common theme here. Like... uh, the straight chilling crew bringing people together and, and making stuff happen. So yeah, I it's appreciate it. It's a magical it. thing. It's beautiful. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Next up, we got Hydraberg. What's going down? What's going on, everybody? All hail Hydraberg. <laughs> hail As Hydra. always. Hail Hydra. And last up, we got John. What's going on, John? Uh it's going on Jacqueline. What's going on, Hydraberg and uh G Baby? Thank you so much for coming on. And I want to reiterate what Jacqueline said is that we've all met through the straight chilling podcast. So thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. And, uh, gee, baby, man, thanks for coming on for this one. And Heiserberg does not have his background on this week. That's weird. Uh, No, I don't think I'm on my personal zoom. That's why. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Sometimes it signs me in different ones. It's weird. We're just seeing your boring apartment now and not your, uh, you're like ex- extremely interesting. I the viewers to think I lived in like a mansion or something. But well, what's going to happen is he's going to get up and let his dog in, and then he won't like come back and forth in between that picture. That was awesome, by the way. So yeah. I was in a Zoom meeting with somebody yesterday, and that background was on, and my dog came over, and I started petting him, and I could see in <laughs> the background I'm just petting nothing. I'm just going like this like, in my hand okay, because man? the dog isn't isn't visible enough in the camera to exposed to the fucking background so i'm just are you having like a this. are you having a neurological problem yeah it's just like my hand's shaking for some reason i don't know why it's like are you having a stroke who are you saying good boy to the whole time i'm shaking your hand just talking to myself. you can say good boy good boy thank you help me help me out earlier today yeah he was just giving himself a pep talk my hand's a good boy <laughs> Hey, Heidelberg, I do got to say, though, thank you so much for the suggestion for um, uh, No Way Home, the Spider-Man movie. Oh, yeah. That movie was dope, man. I, I watched it and it was really it's got good. an early release. It leaked early, I think. Uh, the Blu-ray. Did you see it in theaters? No. I Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was 
Oh man, that was it's great. Fun, it's a fun movie, man. It really was. Yeah. So I'm not a Marvel guy, but that that was nah, that movie's just fun, bro. Yeah, it's cool. Despite I, I really liked Andrew Garfield in that one. I feel like he got a good he got a good redemption song oh, yeah. in that in that flick. Agreed. Well, gee, baby, we love him in uh, Under the Silver Lake, right? Oh yeah, I actually just revisited that like two or three nights ago. Oh yeah, good, I haven't seen that's that. That's a really good that? movie. I like the Social Network or whatever it was called. Is that from this director, Under the Silver Lake? Yes, yep. it is. Right? I really? Yep. Oh yeah. 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 G baby, coming on my radar. Fans. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have to check. It's it out. It's awesome. Then. It's a little bit different vibe than it follows, but you can definitely. He's got his his flavor on it for oh, sure. Yeah, this guy, it's David Robert Mitchell. He's not a, like a horror director. By trade, no. this was like his first attempt, I think, at anything horror related. Yep. Which was yeah, his crazy, first flick yeah. actually is is um, also set in Detroit, and it's really similar to It Follows. It's called uh, uh, it The Myth of the American Sleepover. Oh yes, and it's not Ooh. horror at all. It's like a teen coming of age drama, but it's it's super unique. Like It Follows is super unique to horror. It's it's definitely. I read a quote. I, I've done a ton of research for this too, but uh, someone said it was like uh, if John Hughes wrote, it, it's a John Hughes film written by him. If it were directed by Gus Van Sant, I oh. think that's, if you watched it, that, you'd be like, Oh yeah, I can see that. That is brilliant. Yeah. That actually makes sense. <laughs> that sounds it's really good. What's that title again? The myth of the American sleepover. I think it's from 20, it's either 2010 or 2011. Okay, that sounds good. I'll put that on my list. Um, I've never even heard of that, but yeah, sounds like something I want to see. I haven't seen it in quite a while. I watched it when I got caught up in It Follows. I watched it probably like a year after that, and I don't know where mm-hmm. it's available, but it, sh- it should be at least rentable for sure over streaming. But nice. It's like if you watch, you watch It Follows and you watch that, you can see the, the um, uh, connected tissue for sure. It's like it follows is like a nightmare version of his oh, first film. Right. It's got the same kind of vibe, like dreamy aesthetic, uh, the kind of the synth score, aimless teens. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, yeah, this on. guy definitely has a distinctive style that you I, can. I want to go back you know. to G baby real quick. Are you working on a podcast? What's going on with you, man? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get one off the ground right now. Uh, and we're, we're super close. It's called, uh, waxing the porpoise. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you can buy a Hydroberg to... for a reach around if you want. Yeah. You can call it punching the clown. Dude, you know what? It's funny. It's like I I like that. I wanted to name it that because it's from a line I misremembered from Van Wilder when Cal Penn, he's talking about all the things he wants to do, why he wants to be Van's assistant uh, because he's never had sex. And he's like, I thought he said, I want to wax the porpoise. I want to do all this. And I watched it again. He's like, I want to park the porpoise. So all these years I've been quoting it. I misremembered it completely. That way sounds Um, better. But wax the porpoise makes so much more sense. That's so much more logical. Yeah. Well, I think wax the porpoise is more of like a solo venture versus him wanting to. <laughs> okay. But... <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Anywho, yeah, it just—I just—it—it's uh, gonna be like a, a movie review show mainly um, on stuff. My buddy, he just has never seen 
like he hasn't seen a lot of films and mm-hmm. I was busting balls for that. So I thought it'd be cool to like force him to watch films that I deem great uh, and then get his opinion, whether he's going to shit on it or uh, actually really enjoy it, see what he's been missing out on. And then, then I thought, you know, like, let's add a dynamic where we're kind of mixing it up. So like we'd spin like a wheel at the end and, you know, it'd either be, we do a movie review he hasn't seen or two, you know, talk about something like, um, like conspiratorial or mysterious unexplained. Cause I'm, I'm a junkie for that kind of stuff. Um, or have one that would be like, you know, just like a potpourri, like, uh, wild card personal anecdote or just kind of anything under the sun just talking um and that'd be the show pretty much in a nutshell but it's it's gonna be called waxing the porpoise and uh i'll release details once once we get that off the ground to our uh my friends and anybody else who wants to uh give it a listen we'll have you back on once it launches Absolutely. that'd be great yeah totally tbd that definitely sounds like something I want to listen to. So make it happen. Sweet. Get your buddy going so that we can listen to some content. Tell him to get off his fucking ass and watch something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, he can listen to this episode now and like now it's out there. So he, he's. Yeah. He's Social he's been, pressure. He's been yeah. put on blast. So he has <laughs> yeah. exactly. So it's, so it's basically you giving him kind of like an essential film viewing education. Yep. Yes. I love like, it. I'm like a wise, like, like sage <laughs> film shaman. <laughs> wax the porpoise on, wax the porpoise off, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. I, I like the idea of somebody. <laughs> that sounds just, weird, like, Jacqueline. Like a virgin to certain It sounded better in my head. Yeah. It sounded really there. perverted, though. Whack the, yeah, leave that, wax leave that the porpoise on, wax. I mean, have you heard our show before? <laughs> I have. We have a fucks. I mean, there's a fucks or sucks segment. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, yeah. Keep us posted, G Baby, on your podcast because we want to listen to it and we want to plug it for you. And we'll update yep. our listeners as soon as there's content for them to listen. Yeah, we want to plug that porpoise. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Speak oh for yourself. Sweet. Thank you. All right. Well, wanted to. John. Yes. Do you? I'm waiting for you to break your New Year's resolution, man. Do you have horror news for us? Of course I do. And we're going to start it off with every episode we've ever done. Rob Zombie News. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I saw this, actually, this news. <laughs> then don't say anything. Gee, baby. Have you heard what the rating of the Munsters of Rob Zombie is going to be? PG. God damn it. That was my. Yeah, it's going to be PG. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought it was Sorry. that Elvira's in it. Well, she's in it too. Yeah, she's gonna play a character of Barbara. What car? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Really? That that that's what I was gonna ask Jacqueline. Then Rob Zombie's new Monsters movie is gonna be PG. (laughs) I heard. Well, how do you guys feel about this? Doesn't surprise me. I mean, I'm excited. I actually want to go watch it. I just want to see what a PG Rob Zombie movie is gonna be. I honestly like the concept of a PG rated Rob Zombie movie is just like hard for me to get my head around, but it sounds like people are generally relieved because it sounds like people were afraid that he was going to get really like trashy and dirty and uh, NSFW with it. And he went on social media. No, it's not going to be filthy. It's not going to be nasty. It's PG. And I went, wow. He loves that material. I'll be honest. Like he he really loves the monster. So I don't, I honestly think he's going to try his best to do a good job. My only concern is his wife's in it and her acting. <laughs> oh, I think God. like as far as like directing it, like I think he's going to really try 
to knock this one out of the park. So let's see what, what he does with it. I think the fact that uh, Cassandra Peterson, that was yeah. the other part of the story, uh, Elvira is going to be in it. I think that's pretty dope. Um, I'm yeah, excited definitely. for it. I, I'll go watch it. Yeah. Yes. Are you guys avid watchers of the Munsters or have you been avid watchers? I was, yeah. When I was a kid, yeah, absolutely. I really liked the Munsters. Yeah. G-Baby? Total blind spot for me. I've well, only like here. I only know about it like through osmosis and like you know I can picture I can pinpoint oh, oh yeah, my god I love the monster when the monster would show up under the stairs <laughs> as a kid that always got me. My father in law is a huge monsters fan, so yeah, I I'm pretty indifferent you. to Rob Zombie, but I'll check it out. I will too. I'll give him benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I want to see it just because I like Rob Zombie and everybody's talking about this, but I didn't grow up watching. The Munsters or the Adams family either. That's a blind spot for me as well. Um, it's funny. I think sometimes like parents can like pass on pet peeves to you or like impose their pet peeves on you in a way. And I think I've talked before about how my parents were like strict and didn't let me watch yeah, scary yeah. stuff. And they personally just really didn't enjoy anything like Halloween oriented or spooky or whatever. So even though the Munsters and the Adams family are like very clean sitcoms that are family friendly. They were just like annoyed by Halloween related stuff or anything like that. And so we just like never, I was just never like allowed to watch it, which sounds really weird now, you know, given how wholesome I guess it is really. Um, but yeah, it's just something I didn't grow up with. And then I just never sort of caught on to it in adulthood. So yeah, still a blind spot for me, but I don't know. I'll try it. I'd recommend checking out some of the um, the older ones if you ever have a chance. You don't have to watch. I them think they're the on Peacock, and I have Peacock, so yeah, they're, they're good I would. Watch. Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend that too. Uh, the guy that played um, <laughs> who's the guy in Pet Cemetery, the original Gwyn, oh, Fred yeah. Gwyn. Yeah, yeah. I so know he, he's Herman Munster. He, yeah, he plays Herman Munster, but like that laugh is like <laughs> 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 so over exaggerated. I mean, it, it was like one of the best laughs you would ever get. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's cool. That's interesting news. That seems like it's put some of fans' anxieties at ease. I think so. I I, I think this is going to be <laughs> just guessing. It's going to be one of the most profitable movies for Rob Zombie, right? Oh yeah. Gee. I mean, it's being funded by a major studio. It's not something that he's had to like put together himself, right? No, it's not. Yeah, he, yeah, so. he has been funded, and you know the fact that the what the MPAA gave it a PG. Jeff Bridges is in it too, right? What? What? An appearance. Okay. Mm. Huh. Yeah, he makes an appearance. Okay. Interesting. All right. All right. Any other news? <clears throat> yes. I'm not a crowdfunding fan, but our friends over at the Spoils of Horror, they recently covered this movie called, um, what is it called? Love those guys. Yeah. I awesome. love that show. Uh, Never Hike Alone. So basically, oh, yeah. it's like a low budget Friday the Thirteenth. They've been plugging. Uh, the yeah, it is the fan made film. They're looking for one hundred fifty thousand dollars for it. Um, what is it? Oh, geez, yeah, it's never hike alone. To they're looking for one hundred fifty from Womp Stomp Films. So mm-hmm. I still have to watch the original. To be honest, I saw Me it. Too. Yeah, I actually I've heard good things it. about it. It's fun, man. I mean, it's it's one of those movies that are like that was pretty cool. It's almost like watching um, Sleepaway Camp. 
Yeah. You watch it and it's like so low budget and so silly that you enjoy. I have a blind spot for fan films. I like YouTube stuff like that, to be honest. Yeah. I guess I just don't necessarily give them because they're not actual feature films. Right. So I'm just sort of like, eh, you know, like, is it worth my time Mm -hmm. to watch one of these things? But it sounds like some of them are really good and crafted with some love. So I'm going to have to check it out. And I want to listen to that episode anyway. Of the yeah. Oh, you haven't heard it? No, I like to listen. I, I want to watch the movie first before I uh, listen to it. John, where did you watch that? The first one? Oh, God, it was a while ago. I think I, I just know. found it on probably Netflix or something like that. Okay. I think it was on there for a while. I watched yeah. it somewhere, but it, 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 it was fun. But yeah, they're looking for a sequel to it. India Go-Go, Launchstone Films. All right. Good to know. Cool. Wait. Is that it for news? That's it. All right. Well, Hyderberg, you chose this film. It follows. Yeah. Please explain why you selected this film for us. All right. So um, for me, this movie is pretty important, actually. Um, I like this movie, but also um, I got I found this movie. I was reading about it in like 2014. I didn't see it in its release. I saw it when it was on home video or I rented it. But I remember hearing about it and I, you know, I've always been into horror movies, but not like full fledged into them. You know, I've I've always liked other genres as well. And um, I watched this film and it just fucking it rocked me. I was just like, wow, this is this is what horror is like lately. Like, this is what it's grown up to. You know what I mean? It was like it's a throwback in a sense with the soundtrack. And that totally connected with me. It reminded me a lot like the films I used to rent as a kid from like the mom and pop video stores, you know, Um and then through that, I was like, I don't have a lot of friends that are into horror. So I started looking up podcasts that the, that discuss this movie. And I found the Straight Chilling podcast and I listened oh, to their episode. And I that didn't is this how was the I got film. into the Straight Chilling podcast. Wow, and, that's a good story. I didn't know yeah. that. So and that's how I found all you guys, basically. So, you know, it all kind of steamrolled into that. Um, and then. Through that, I just started watching. I watched the Babadook that same year because they were released around the same time. And that was high, like high caliber horror, too. I was just like, wow, like they're putting out some bangers right now. And that's when I just sort of just threw myself back into the genre and became like a full time horror guy. Like a lot of the movies I watch nowadays are just horror movies. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got involved in the Slack community a lot and some other things. And, you know. And then G- through GB through talking through Slack, G baby just has like this love of, of it follows so much. Him and Bob are two of the guys in that chat that like really champion this film along with me. And so that's why I asked G baby to be on the show this week, because I just thought, you know, why who better to have on? Yeah, we- definitely. Yeah. Just to add on to that, if I can, um, and I appreciate it too, because yeah, I, I definitely jock this movie hardcore. Um, and it's funny too, like, and we've talked about this, Nick. Uh, we have a super, it's kind of eerie. We have a super similar story. Like I, same, same setup really. Like I had kind of uh, drifted away from horror a little bit. And then I heard about It Follows, It Follows. And I saw the trailer and uh, right when that, that music, because I'm a big music guy too, but the music, hooked me in instantly mm-hmm. that fucking uh the uh bah, bah, wah, 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 that sh- yeah, yeah. i was like i'm watching this fucking film and um and i loved it it blew me away and same thing like i was like damn like 
this is what's going on in horror. You know, this is, this is dope. I want to really get back into it. And like I watched Babadook uh, and just kind of made the commitment to jump into it. I wouldn't say I'm a full-time horror guy now. Like I'd probably say 75%, but um, yeah, it led me to like, I want to know more about it follows like immediately after. And I looked up podcasts, some of the long strength chilling, listened to it really liked their show became part of that community with the slack met nick shared our story and so it's kind of eerie that's that's how i got into it too and it's led me here now i get to talk with all you with my friends about one of my favorite movies of all time if not the depending on the day so who's this yeah, nick I'm, guy i'm super excited <laughs> I well, sorry i didn't catch that i said who's this nick guy you keep talking about I, i've never oh sorry Hyderberg. my bad <laughs> <laughs> your real identity has been revealed already multiple times on it, on this show. Most, <laughs> mostly my missing but i you know what i love those stories and it, it almost i'm not a believer in like fate but it feels kind of serendipitous that both yeah. of you guys got back into the horror genre and like kind of that was like your entry point to more serious pursuit of horror mm. and that you both found the straight chilling podcast that way and that we've all found each other that way um, so that's, that's more pretty... serendipitous to me is that, that we all came together as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. You baby's like one of the first buddies that I met in the Slack. Okay. Like we just clicked right away. I even, yeah. my last fucking you pick that I got, I gave to you. Yeah, totally. That was awesome. I, was like, I picked, I picked six, blood then. diner, which was a statement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like Blood Diner. So it just went I. above the. So did I. It went above uh, Soju and Randy's head, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they just didn't get it. Yeah, they didn't yeah. get it. Uh, no, you you two actually were some of the very first names that I heard when I first started listening to the Straight Chillin podcast. I mean, I haven't listened as long as you guys have. I've been listening for about two years, but in my very first episode. I remember one of you guys had called in and left a voicemail. I'm like, who are these people calling in? Why are they referring to them by name as if they know them? Are these people like <laughs> alternate hosts on the show? Like, why does everybody seem to know these people? Because I'm imagining this podcast where listeners are just kind of nameless, identityless yeah. people who just call in and then they forget about them forever. I didn't realize there was a whole like culture around this show and that everybody kind of knows each other um, and that the listeners are almost as big a part of the the whole thing as as just the hosts and so um one of you guys had written in and then i think one of you guys had picked that movie it was the witchboard episode did one of you guys pick that that wasn't not me not you i called in on that episode though maybe both of you did but i remember hearing the name hydraberg and i was like what is that (laughs) and i remember hearing g baby and i'm like this this is awfully they're awfully familiar with this guy so So like that's the reason i use the name on the podcast is because that was the name i signed into the slack chat with you know yeah and i've just kept it the whole time plus i use it on other social medias and stuff so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and on this show yeah let's just change the name of the show to serendipity (laughs) serendipity podcast (laughs) now i'll shoot down I'm just kidding. Well, okay. So now that we know the full, um, overly detailed history of why Hydrofurn chose this film, <laughs> let's decide whether it fucks or sucks. Hydroberg, you're up. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this puppy fucks for sure. Uh, it fucks in several positions. And but please, please use protection 
God damn it. That was mine. <laughs> Sorry, John. Uh, Jim, because you were on, I was going to change this segment to does it slap or clap? Oh, oh nice. the first time I ever heard the word slaps was from you. I'm just not like I never heard that term before. And then claps, I thought, could just be like, it means it's booty, you know? Yeah. Booty's clap. <laughs> All right. Well, G-Baby, do you want to determine whether it slaps or claps? <laughs> oh, yeah. It it definitely slaps. And just to keep in form with uh, your guys' format, it definitely fucks also. It'll fuck you to death, uh, oh. as you'll see in the movie. But, yeah, this movie fucks for sure. And it's not like a toot it and boot it either. This is your wife and up. <laughs> It follows for sure. I Mm -hmm. I love this movie. For sure. Yeah. Johnny. Oh, boy. Uh, This movie fucks till adulthood. So that's all I got to (laughs) say. Okay. Well, I would agree with you guys, too. I mean, I I think there's no I I would be I would be very baffled to meet somebody who thinks this movie sucks. Like, I really just can't. They're out there. Yeah, really? Yeah, they're I can't, out there, I can't imagine what this is a very divisive film, actually. No, you're kidding, right? Yeah, no, I'm not. I've seen oh my gosh, plenty of heated chats before about this film. Okay, well, Isn't I want to get into one... that. I, w- I want to hear what the naysayers are naysaying because I can't imagine what the problem we could can be. talk about it. But my assessment is this movie fucks because it has to fuck to keep alive, yeah. but it fucks. <laughs> is it like an Idris Elba type fuck or? Oh, I mean, it's it. It's a satisfying make an honest woman out of this. this movie. I, I would definitely make an honest woman out of this film. This is a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, you want to hit us with that spoiler warning so we can spoil it? Yes, it follows 2015. We're going to be talking about this movie in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it on Netflix, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. All right. Now everything is fair game. We can spoil it. Yes, okay, sir. so please tell me before I don't want this to like get forgotten. What is up with the people who don't like this film? What do they say about it? Um, a lot of people complain about the ending. Mm-hmm. About the Scooby-Doo sort of uh, <laughs> trap thing that they set up with the pool. And I, I can say that as far as complaints go, like, um, you know, the movie does deviate a little bit in that mm-hmm. section. But I love everything else about the movie so much that. I so you're talking about the ending at the pool. Yeah, that, not the actual ending, just like that climactic scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was not it. A lot of people the tend to complain was, about that. The or end. they complain about the fact, oh, it's an STD. That's stupid. Oh, my God. No, it wasn't. Oh. I anyway, I haven't done my reach around yet. Okay. Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah. My bad. All right. I mean, if we're going to have a, mo- a movie about having sex we might want to have a little foreplay first right give us a reach around plot or or reach around if you will all right guys date nights here you're getting nervous anticipation causes goosebumps to the surface teenage hormones have done you a disservice you packed protection but it's worthless unless it's supernatural contraception an entity who uses great deception it moves it moves for you in plain sight and comes for you morning noon and night and takes the shape of those you love, an STD that escapes the glove. Young love can be filled with such sorrow. If only Jay had chose to swallow, she'd never have known the terror that it follows. <laughs> that was quite body, sir. That was perfect. As I would nice. expect. Well done. Well done. 
Good one. <laughs> if only she had swallowed. Good God. Okay. So <laughs> the theme of this movie is it about is it about uh, STDs or is it about adulthood? Go. It's definitely a coming of age film about like adult like you realize that you're gonna die yeah yeah that's kind of how i i feel like you could interpret this different ways i don't know if there's like a solid answer but for me i interpret the entity or what's following you as like the certainty of death yeah right and it's passed along through intercourse but i don't think that was necessarily the main message of the film it wasn't trying to say anything no, I, I, I think if you had sex in this movie is that that's when you entered adulthood. Yeah, I saw a lot of things online that it was about. Be careful, wear a condom, you know, just uh, it, it, it's a disease or whatever it is. You got to pass it along to somebody else. No, <laughs> it's about growing up. It's about it. it it's like. Mm. Being an adult, you you, you re- like you realize your mortality when you realize you're gonna die, right? Mm-hmm. So that's growing up, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. No, exactly. I think you're no, right. I, I, I totally agree. And I think sex, it can be like for a lot of people, is a way of like staving off those fears of your own mortality. Like, I mean, I think this is sort of a cliche, but like after funerals and stuff or after like a near death experience, I think people want to be close to each other and like affirm their own aliveness. And I think people have sex a lot in the face of like fear of death. Right? I, think, I-, I think it has nothing to do with sex. I think like Jacqueline, what you pointed out, like going to somebody's funeral and seeing somebody that had passed away is your mortality. It's not about like having sex. It's about like looking at somebody in a casket going, Fuck, I could be there too. Someone's notifications are going off or something. That's fine. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I guess, I mean, I I can see how people would interpret it. I I don't think it's like wrong to think that it might be about some kind of sexual anxiety. Oh, I mean. I just, that's not how I read it, but I don't think it's necessarily wrong. uh, It can be multiple things. I don't know. It could be pure pressure. You know, as far as the sex thing, but I again, you see this person that's always chasing you. It's always death that is chasing you. Is that? And it that, takes the form of people that you know and love, just like death. Not necessarily. Like it could be anybody. No, but most times it does. To get no, it doesn't though. I mean, they, they don't yeah, show that through. Yeah, it doesn't show but that I, throughout the movie. It's like, who's the tall guy that? Uh, just, the scariest part saying, of like the movie. Death, when someone that you know dies, that you know closely, that's when death feels even closer to you, right? I, I understand that. But I yeah. mean, it's like that's when you realize that death is closer to you, that that, that you feel that <clears throat> that it's like my mortality is not, you know, uh, I uh, when you're 15, 16 years old, you, you no, I'm not going to die. I'm fine. Nobody worries about yeah. that when yeah. they're a teenager. Yeah, but but you see somebody coming at you that is going to kill you or or end your life. It's like, oh shit! <laughs> it's so, a wake up call. Yeah. What do you think the entity is? Because I've I I kind of thought for when I first saw this film, I kind of thought it was like sort of like some kind of supernatural force that might have been created by like sexual abuse or something like that. Only I don't know, like when that woman shows up in the house early on and she's peeing herself. She looks like kind of like a rape victim. 
And yeah, I just her always arms are thought, tied behind her back. She's yeah, got and teeth I always knocked thought, out. Like, I wonder if this thing was something that came out of like some kind of horrible abuse or something like that. And that's that's how it ended up becoming. I was, I was just trying to figure out, like, where would this thing come from? Like, how did this thing? Yeah. Well, how was it created? You know what I mean? Like what kind of entity? like it was like an, a, a spontaneous or like an autonomous like tulpa. From, and it's like trying to get out of the ashes of sex yeah, abuse. Like someone's abuse or something kind of like became it's an entity of its of its own or something. I don't know. That's just something I never really heard any theories on what it could be. Maybe I, seen, I just I read some stuff online recently, actually, people talking about kind of the same thing, like it, it arising out of, you know, just like you know, os- through osmosis and forming as uh, a response to sexual abuse, mm. like all those mm. emotions, yeah, like in a, like a Gnostic sense, and then manifest. Mm. But I mean, fans I like, can only really like speculate, about- right? I mean, because we don't yeah. have like concrete answers yeah. from this film. Or I had G baby. Do you know if the director has ever commented on that aspect of it? he's pretty elusive in like what he said like like this is about this this is about that um but he has slipped some some nuggets out and he hasn't i like him because he doesn't really admonish people from interpreting it the way that they want to interpret it Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and that's what i like about this movie a lot too is that there's so many different angles of interpretation that you can take with it but um specifically like you know this movie is about an std going back to like some of the the things that people used to knock about it they're like oh it's, oh it's a sex demon or it's it's about it's the horrors of stds it's boring it's slow blah 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 i think that's just a re- very surface level kind of look at it but he he said it's like, like pretty from literal the ince- yeah from the inception he said it was you know he had these dreams and i think a lot of people have had them like you know where you have some fi- ghostly figure or something following you you know or you try to get into your car and you're like fumbling for your keys and mm. you just can't ever seem to open the door you're at your front door and you just and it feels like you're stuck in like a time loop and there's someone behind you he said that's where the idea came from just that like unknown and entity so very base level and then he just kind of expanded upon it and it became it follows mm-hmm. i think it's cool that he kind of allows fans to do their own speculating and let them kind of lay their their interpretation over the story and and kind of take from it what they what they want without being concrete and rigid saying no it's about this or it's about that i think it's cool to leave it open i agree with that jacqueline but the fact at the very end of the movie is that you see these two people like almost innocent like uh paul and uh was it jay they're holding hands but you see this like like uh you know blurred figure behind mm-hmm. them of like that's not what it was it, it was like you realize your mortality of being a human being that, i love that ending yes, yeah i did so too did that's what really clinched it for me thinking that this movie was about like the inevitability of death like yes. i tried all these different things and but at the end of the day like th- it, you cannot escape it no matter what you do and all you can do is just kind of like live your life could you make out the figure there. that was behind them though yeah. it was just some random guy in a jacket in the neighborhood right? yeah the exactly so, like they just... show behind them for a minute and there's nothing but they yeah. pass like a, a, a corner where that guy could have walked around and just been a normal guy walking we don't know right like they don't right. they don't tell you that... and it's like oh is that and then they show their backs after in a, in a, in the a movie ambiguous inning was so good. I mean, it was just like you, you saw this guy blurred and then 
falling behind him. And then yeah, he's just out of focus. Cut to black. What was ambiguous about the ending for you? Whether that was whether they killed the monster or not, like whether. Really, that was ambiguous for you guys. Well, they they no. For me, it was like him driving by the hookers, and then all of a sudden, you saw that them holding hands, walking down a suburb of Detroit or whatever it was. It was like, but somebody was walking behind them, like he was going to pass it on to. In case, in case they didn't sex worker, yeah. In case they haven't killed it, he was going to try and pass it on just in case because he they had sex, right? But that. That was insinuated, so you didn't yeah. see that. And then right. you just see that figure in the background, which could be anybody. It doesn't have to be the it, but we're led to believe that maybe it still is out there following them. So who knows? I when I first it watched it, yeah. when mm-hmm. I first watched it, very first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh shit, it's still on them." You know, there it is. And then after like letting it soak in and then watching it, we'll get there. I'm I'm assuming at, towards the end. Now I think it's not. Like it's for sure. Not. I mean, it's a nice but day in the neighborhood and they're just walking around. Right. There's a guy. Gee, doing baby, go ahead. Like, like what you were saying. Go ahead. Like we're not. Uh, we mix this up. So go ahead. Yeah, you don't have to. OK, yeah. uh, I think it's not because, I mean, it ties a lot into like, you know, the a bunch of things that we haven't talking talked about yet. But like one of the main symbols, too, is water. And what I think, like the Cliff's notes is I think that water is uh the antithesis of the it and water is its main weakness because you see throughout the film it can be harmed but it's super temporary like you know paul hits it with the lawn chair and you can see it Uh makes impact and then it flings him and then jay shoots it when it's when it's in yara form in the neck and it's pretty brutal it's close up and it but it just slices her neck and she drops but then it gets right back up. Mm-hmm. Then at the end, when they shoot it in the head, when uh, Kelly, the sister, throws the sheet over it, and it's like, oh, shit, you can see it. And then Paul puts the gun right to its dome piece and shoots it, and then it falls over into the water. Only once it's fully submerged in water, then he finally gets that headshot. Then all that blood, which I mean, yeah. that has symbolism too, but it, then all that blood yeah, unfurls, it, and then it makes it seem like there's some sort of finality. No, no, not at all. I mean, I think you see a face when it shoots it in the face in the water that it came up as a face. You saw eyes and a mouth. The blood? Yeah. I don't huh. that. You didn't see that? I oh need to go God. back to that. I've watched this film like five like times. I've never no, seen that. No, it, seriously. I mean, I looked at it again today and I was like, oh, that was a face that was coming up. And then it cut to them walking down the street in the suburb. No, it cuts. They they show them having sex first, and then he passes it on to the sex workers, and then they, then they, then they're walking. I watched that. Doesn't cut directly to the walking. Where'd you watch this? I watched it on, watched Netflix. It on Netflix, man. Yeah. They, Paul and her have yeah. sex after they've survived the monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the rain, and they're, they're more watered, Jim. The rain and yeah. the outside. So like water is life, wow. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Even it's Bob, like security. He mentions it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Jay's safe space, you know, where you see her kind of floating in the, in the water. In the pool in the beginning, yeah. There's a lot of illusions, other like I can't extrapolate on it. I'm not that smart, but like, you know, like that chick at the beginning, Annie goes to mm-hmm. water at the beginning to like her last stand. Um, Jay and the, the dude Hugh Cooter have sex. 
or they they make out by the water before they go to the car and have sex. She's right. like, she's obsessed with her pool. There's rain. Um, another interesting thing too, I've seen online is like towards the end, you see, there's a big like gouge, like something has like, um, uh, desecrated her doughboy pool and it's leased yeah. out. I saw that. And it's, and and then you see people have speculated. Then you that's where you see the naked dude kind of mocking up top when it's standing on the roof as her grandpa just looking at her. It's like people are saying that's how it got up there. It went and kicked her pool mm. and then got up on the roof as like kind of like a fuck you. Not really like playing with its food, but it's yeah. like just like sending like a message, maybe I guess kind of playing with its food. But so you uh, noticed that it is his gra- it, it is her grandpa. I thought it was yeah, her dad. there's a quick shot. No, of her like dad her is the, fi- the final form is her dad. Yeah. yeah, she's like, I don't want to tell you what it looks like. That's her dad. The one yeah. on the roof is grandpa because they show two different photos through the film, like you were saying. Yeah, they the show background. a picture of her young, Jay Young, and her grandma and her grandpa. And it's for yeah. sure that dude. Who's okay. Like, All right. Roof. Yeah, I, th- I-, I thought the dude on the roof was her dad. No, I, I agree no. with you, Jacqueline. I-, I messed that one up, but because yeah. he's got gray hair. Like I need really glasses. Great. I'll can I blame it on I need glasses. <laughs> Earlier in the in in the when they they actually show parents for the first time, like in the background, because there's mm-hmm. no like adults in this fucking movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, barely at all. Kids movie. Kids solve the problem themselves type movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they show like a photo in the kitchen and they zoom in on it and you see Jay as a young girl with her grandparents. And then to that picture, the the shot they show they two sh- they show two shots. Of her dad, which is why yeah. he's easier to do in her bedroom. But the one yeah, in her bedroom, did you notice that? It's it's her and her dad. And then right above that, it's Jay and her head's like back and she's in a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I did. So it just water had... is a big theme. And it's like the, the, the most linear, like it's like water equals security equals mm-hmm. life, whereas mm-hmm. the it is death. So that's like, mm. to me, that's like the antithesis. If you want to take it face value, like. That's like that's that. that's why I think that's its weakness. And once it's fully submerged and then they shoot it, that's why I just think towards the end that that's not it following them, that they they did it. So then does that that's really interesting because I, I just took it at like I was like totally certain that that figure behind them was it. It didn't occur. I, I like it didn't occur to me to even question that. So then does that give you like a different interpretation of what the movie's about? Not for me. I just like I always just took it as it's ambiguous on purpose to let us think like maybe it is it, maybe it's not, and that's how the film ends, you know. Right. Because if the movie's about mortality, that seems to suggest that it can be like that, like death can be defeated somehow. Maybe I'm going too far, a step too far. <laughs> no, it's a good point. I don't have yeah. a good, I don't have a cogent answer that I want to offer up, but it's definitely mm-hmm. something I'm going to noodle on. Well, and I'm going to noodle on it too, because like, I, it didn't occur to me that that was ambiguous, but now that you guys explain it, I think you're right that, that, that it could be read both ways. It's not necessarily. I think in your it. face that it is a STD, so it can be passed along to anybody because, uh, the innocent guy, Paul, um, wants to have sex with Jay, right? Um, mm-hmm. So Jay yeah, goes out, she she goes out to this uh, boat or, or, or it, it, it's assumed she goes goes out to this boat to three guys that are fishing. So she wants to pass it along to them 
Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden it comes back to her. I think she you did. Got, this is them, interesting. Do you guys think it. that she they, did that she went out and had sex with one or all three of those dudes? When she's driving she, back home, she's. she's I don't know. I mean, again, it, it's ambiguous. I mean, you, yeah, totally. She's yeah, wet. You, her cast is wet, and she's got tears streaming down. Yeah, like but, 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 that she really but she wants to hated. just push it away from her as far, yeah. as far as possible. But she goes out to this boat, and there's three dudes out there just. And then after that, there's a little while that passes where she, the monster doesn't come after her for a little while. So obviously it was dealing with those three first and they didn't have any right. idea what was going on. So right. they probably died right away. Yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of thought she didn't. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I kind of thought she didn't because she seems to have like a real conscience to her. Like she had regret that she had sex with Greg. Was that his name? Uh-huh. You, know, you remember first, later yeah. on when oh, she's Greg, talking yeah. with Paul and later on she's talking to paul and paul's like well you you had you gave it to greg and she was like i shouldn't have and i think she felt like guilt about putting somebody else in danger so i, I thought she didn't want it i i thought I, she I, I, she did. I think she wanted to pass it on to somebody else yeah, she passed it on to them because she was so desperate she, she jumped into the water right away so mm-hmm. it was like mm. I'm team Jackal. I don't, I don't think she did. And it's like what you said too, how she felt guilty about Greg. I think she's, she was there. It was a gut check and she was like, I'm doing this. I'm passing this fucking thing along. And she got out like a quarter of the way, half of the way. And I think she went back. Cause I don't think that it's just well, a feeling. It's all, it's totally subjective, but I don't, I don't yeah, feel like she's her with that. Tear in her eye. I why would like she have sex with Paul? Totally. And then Paul feels the urge to go have sex with hookers. And that's why they're holding hands at the end. Right. I don't think Paul gave it to the hookers at the end. That's my, so that's either. my take. On I just don't think he, like, I think he was just watching. I think, I think he was, was just looking. kind of mentally filing it away. Like that's there. If I need it. That's fair. I don't know, man. You drive down to hooker town. You're there to pick up a hooker. Like, Tell us I about just your experience, there, right, guys? Like, come on. <laughs> he, he's such no, like a beta like those type dude. Were horrible looking, though. I think he was like being a little bit more like, oh, you know what? I think I want to pass on those two. I'm going to keep looking. Both scenes yeah. are sort of left for us to interpret. I think there's a lot. I think almost everything in this movie is kind yeah. of up for interpretation. I do think she went out and had sex with those guys on the boat and regretted it. And that's why the next scene is her with like tears streaming down her face because she's like, I can't believe what I just did. But she I could also be crying because she didn't have sex with them. And she's like, oh, Maybe. shit, I'm she's really in danger. Her death. Yeah. Or she could be thinking about a hundred other things like, fuck, what do I do now? It's like, I can't. That's not an option for me. Well, I don't want to. She, feels... she, she slept on top of the car that night. That's what made me think that, like, when she finally heard the guys on the boat, she was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go do this right now. I read her. That part's weird. And, and a lot of these are just 50 50 coin flips. Mm-hmm. But like I read the, her, her laying on the on the car, like just saying, like, fuck it. Like, if this thing's going to come get me, come get me. Like, she's just, like, totally disassociated from it. It reminded me of the beginning, too. Like, when we get introduced to the first girl who gets killed, which is fucking such a good opening for this movie. Oh, my God. I love the opening. Well, the first time I saw this movie, I was like, what is going on right now? This girl just comes out of her house. She's running around. You didn't see the kill, but you saw the aftermath, and that was fantastic. And, like, it's so sad. Like, her dad's like, what's the matter? She's running around. Yeah, she runs in the house. She runs, and then the music starts kicking. It, dun, 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 and you just Dude, like, that music's so awesome. Oh my! And God. she drives away, and you feel so bad. She gets on the phone with her dad, and she's telling her how, how much she she loves him, and she's sorry yep. she's been like a fucking bitch sometimes or whatever. <laughs> like basically, she's like, you know, she knows she's gonna die. And then yeah, the next scene is just cut to fucking her with her leg bent backwards. But how brutal was that looking? Brutal. You're just like, ooh, 
Oh my god! Like like she's on a beach on Lake Huron or whatever it was in that Michigan. It stuck was with like... me like like the ring when they opened the fucking closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like that scene just like oh shit like. Yeah, I found it very jarring, almost like on par with that moment in Hereditary when you see the decapitated head of Charlie covered in ants and you're like so unprepared for it. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my yeah, that opening shot, too, is awesome because uh, like a little uh, sprinkling of trivia, uh, this dude, uh, David Robert Mitchell's uh, he's he's an admitted uh, old school horror fan, particularly John Carpenter, and that opening scene definitely has Halloween vibes. And that 360 shot that he mm-hmm. does is super awesome. Uh, that just that you know, any town USA, like that downtown mm-hmm. suburban street, and he he uses it one other time, I think, school. too, when they go to the school to investigate ah, who the fuck you just see Cooter Hugh is walking towards the camera, and you don't shot. know, like, who is the fucking it, dude? I have a theory too, it's not, it's not a crazy theory, but. A lot, I've seen a lot of like um, things online where they count up all the it's uh, all the instances of it. I think there's one that not a lot of people hit on. And like, I noticed it probably like after the ninth or 10th time that I watched it, I was like, I think that's a fucking it is when they, when they go to the school to investigate who the fuck Hugh is um, they do that three they pull up and there's a 360 shot and it grows it's like grass it's like a school school classroom and then there's a girl walking the way that she's walking from it's like she's walking from the side of the school building and there's grass it's like there's there'd be no reason that anyone would be there or walking from there it's just a really outlandish spot to be coming from if you watch it again you'll you'll be like yeah that is weird but she's She's in white. I, I know a lot of them are in various states of undress, but white too. The color yeah. white is prevalent in all of the it's. Right. And she's walk the way she's walking is like super languid and kind of like very slow and deliberate. And she has a backpack on and a w- pure white shirt. And she's walking towards. And then later on in that shot, um, when they get into the car, it's way out of focus. It's super blurry. And then when Jay and Greg turn back to talk to Paul and Yara and them, and then they go back forward, then it become it starts to come into focus. It's that same girl in the white with the backpack and she's yeah. walking towards them. And then they pull that. out. She's like a football field away, but um, that's just an in- interesting little, little thing to pick up on. I don't that's know funny. if it is, but I, I think it is. It's funny you mentioned yeah. the white. Cause if you notice that final figure that we were, discussing whether it is it that they're not wearing white at all they have like blue jeans on and like a red shirt and a jet and a, like a blue jacket or something like that so maybe that w- is an indication of could be all of them wear white though like um now that i'm greg's thinking about mom, it kind of do like when it's greg's mom has like a nighty on or like a yeah like a blue white. bathrobe or something am i misremembering that i thought it was like a blue. it's in the dark she's wearing like oh, one of those silk old school mom uh great yabos by the way gowns <laughs> That's such a weird scene too, because he was fucked to death by his mom. Are you on? That's fucked up. (laughs) Well, maybe she's waxing the porpoise, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. We're allowed. All kinds of porpoises being waxed around here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, no, but I think that's like kind of a fun game to play when you watch this movie. Is like, can you find all the its and like where are they? And is that an it? 
Is it not? My only know. complaint is I wish there would be a little bit more of those. I think I got spoiled with like Haunting of Hill House. Uh, uh, there, it's known for all, there's like 60 or 70 ghosts, I think, bet- throughout that whole series that you can go in and pick out. That's just a, t- a super tiny ding. I just, that's the, like a, I would like to have. I wish there would have been more instances mm-hmm. of that that you can mm-hmm. maybe pick up on. But yeah, I think yeah. the biggest scare for me was that big guy, like coming through oh, the yeah. door. I mean, it's so effective. I mean, it's just like, you know, he comes out of nowhere and then. Yeah, he almost materializes. Uh Right there you are. Jay is like freaking out and everybody's like, oh, we're good. And then all of a sudden this guy comes through and you're like. Because I love that moment. Go ahead, Jacqueline. Oh, sorry. I was going to say that moment. Have you guys seen the Sentinel? The Sentinel? No. No. It's on my list. With Michael Douglas? No, 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 no. Black Rain? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. It's this horror film from like the, the 70s. Um, it's on a book, it's, right? I don't know if it is or not. I, I'd like to pick it sometime. It's like kind of an underrated movie, but it's a supernatural horror. Okay. There's well, there's no point in describing the scene, but there's a moment in that that this that that moment with the tall guy reminds me of. But for me, the biggest scare was the the tall guy was like the runner up for best scare for me. Okay. Number one, in my opinion, was the one in the kitchen. The, yes. The, like, that's the yeah. creepiest one. Wow. Yeah. The reason that one really worked for me was because it really built up my sense of dread more than any of the others. Like she, the glass has been broken. He tells her, oh, the, somebody broke a window and she's immediately afraid and mm-hmm. like dreading what she's going to see. And, and her friends are telling her, oh, no, no, there's nobody here. They must have run away. That's weird. And But we know that she can see it when the others yeah. can. And she's walking towards the kitchen and like, turns the corner and there it is and like my dread was like i mean ramped up to like level 10 and that payoff was so good for me Um, yeah it's also one of the biggest looking it's yeah like that person has been beat beaten up their teeth are knocked out like blood they're pissing themselves like it's just so graphic Mm-hmm. Like, oh Dude, the God. pissing freaked me out, man. When yeah. it was doing that, I don't. It was like a very visceral, like primal uh-huh. reaction, like because it it focuses and it goes down to its feet and it's pissing. I'm like, why is it pissing? It fucking that part freaked me out totally more than anything. That's the biggest scare for me. And it, it yeah. the two, it's it's like the only shot where they use slow mo, and I think it's perfectly done. Like how she wraps that corner and she fucking goes and Michael Monroe too. She's awesome. But like her scream is so, and when she realizes it and then it like smash cuts to like her walking towards her in real time. And just the idea of that thing, that close, the fucked up teeth pissing, just like the, the eyes are like raccoon eyes. They're like fucking bruised up and just slowly like, like almost like a zombie. Yeah. That, that part. There's like a history to that it that you're not aware of, right? Like you're kind mm-hmm. of wondering about like what the fuck, whose image is this that it just took? Yeah, right. Is, that, like one of, is that a previous victim? You know, yeah. that's what yeah. makes me wonder if it came from sexual abuse or something. It's like this indefinite in, in or like indeterminate feeling of like something is very wrong, and like we yeah. can't pinpoint what it is, but we just know something is really fucking wrong, and we need to like get away from it. So it yeah. wasn't Rat Boy that was the most scary guy, the, the little one that shows up at <laughs> in the, in, in the lake in the garage. He's like, ah. <laughs> it's Hell definitely Rama. unsettling because that's the first want, time you hear it make any noise. I think I it's the see only the spin time. off of, of this movie where it's like a buddy comedy of Rat Boy and Tall Guy. As <laughs> and they hit the road. <laughs> yeah, Tall Guy and Little Rat Boy. 
<laughs> in the Batmobile. Yeah. <laughs> His head's up the sunroof, just like. <laughs> the, the tall guy reveal, too, is just so alarming because the scare you think is going to come when they open the door, right? And you realize, oh, it's just Yara. Like, it was her all along. Right. Like, oh, okay, fine. Everything's okay now. And then Buddy just comes barreling down the fucking that, hallway all of a sudden. But, but again, it's been so long since I've seen this movie and I saw that. And I was like, ooh, god damn. Yeah, that, that got me. Like, yeah. like, like him coming through the darkness yep. right behind her. And then it's perfectly paced. Yeah. The aesthetic yeah. on this film and just the score. I don't know how good like this is a good film, but if it didn't have the score that it has, like, I don't know how much I probably like it a lot less. It'd be different for sure. It just works perfectly. Score is dope. Um, Aesthetically, it was it was so different for me because. I did like them going through the boroughs of uh, Detroit because it is in Detroit, Michigan. But then you go through the suburbs. But it, it mm-hmm. was just like it, it felt like two different seasons for me. It was almost like a you know a late summer, early fall, and then as they're driving through, it, it felt good. I was it was like I felt dark, and I was like, oh my god, what's going on here? But it felt like two different movies. Well, we have a lot of different settings too in this film. We have a rural setting, we get the suburban, and then we get the inner city. Right, but but I'm just saying that that aesthetically that it could have felt like late fall or early winter, but when we went to the suburbs, it was like late summer, early fall, maybe. So one of yeah, my pieces it's... of trivia is that the the time period and the time of year are deliberately ambiguous in this movie to make it feel more dreamlike like there are scenes where they're wearing layers like long pants and jackets and there's other scenes where they're wearing like shorts and tank tops and nobody seems uncomfortable either way and they're it's during the daytime it's at night and there it's it's meant to be unclear like what time of year it is or what decade era. yeah because there's like a late in. 80s sort of era like mm-hmm. vibe to it but then there's technology but not like cell phones but she's got that clamshell e-reader mm-hmm. thing yeah, that was yeah. weird. weird so odd but then there's also like really old school boxy tv sets like yeah. that look like yeah. they're from the 60s so it's meant to be indeterminate interesting that might be why that you kind of picked up on that john then i like when yeah. they go to the inner city though like i really like when they go to the pool and that build up towards the pool where they're just driving and the music kicks in and it's like, this is it. Like make or break. Like this is what we're going to do to try to get rid of this thing. And it's like, I don't know. I just like the whole. The music was fine, but I mean, you see the pool and it was like perfectly kept. I like they show the, the outside of the school though. Like, yeah, the buildings the music kicks in, they're like breaking into the fences and yeah. talking about, remember the first time where we kissed or blah, blah, blah. And like, right. Right. Like that right. whole setup. Go inside. Really but, but the pool looks great. The building looks decrepit it's like what's going on oh, it's detroit so they're like hey. i've lived in michigan before i know <laughs> yeah yeah speaking to like the the time uh uncertainty and all like all the anachronisms like within you know it's like the movie it's it's super like you know enigmatic and mysterious but it's also very to the point and simplistic um and it's it's also it's a super unique take uh, in the horror genre, uh, which a lot of people agree on. That's why it is what it is. But it's also 
like it's super fresh, but it also has, you know, all the anachronisms, old cars, lacks of cell phones. There's like no internet. There's no social media. Um, but yeah, like Yara has the clamshell, the girl at the beginning, Annie, she's driving like a newer, like it looks like a Subaru WRX. Um, and then the truck too, that Jay, when she crashes the car, the, the truck that backs up that causes her to swerve is like, a, it's somewhere between like a 2012 and like a 2014 Ford F-150. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, so it's unique, but it also has like that vibe of like nostalgia, like the yes. old boxy TVs, yeah. like um, always watching old, like sixties, like, you know, creature from the black lagoon type stuff. And like, mm-hmm. I, I really like that, that it, it, it breeds that kind of uncertainty in time. And to like, you know, going to what john you were saying like they're like jay's swimming a ton you know in her backyard and then in other shots you know they're like bundled up when they're walking down the street she's sucking on a soda and then you know and then it looks like pretty into fall you know and then they go out on the lake and there's three dudes on a boat it it just kind of it it all adds to that uncertainty of time and place you know i love that dream like yeah, I love that because it's disorienting and it makes me feel yeah. like a little unstable in my watching of the movie. Like, what is going on here? And I like it's a little harder to get a grip on it, which is good. I mean, it, it makes you feel a little less safe in the viewing of the film. Was it can't get a handle on it? Yeah. Did Hyderberg say that this is a Halloween watch? Is that what you said? No, uh, Bob says that. I get huge Halloween vibes from this. Like as soon as even I can buy it as like a summertime thing too, though. Like late summer. Yeah, I get a summertime vibe from this. And then when you're doing the cutaways of like filming of decrepit Detroit, you're you're like, I don't know when this is, but it's terrible. Yeah, I I, I like the aesthetic of that, but it's like you don't get the like feeling a time when it is, it could be like early spring, late fall. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it, it's like, I don't know. I like that, that it's got a lot of things that are uncertain and that kind of follow like dream logic. Like things are kind of like not making sense, like temporarily yeah. like that. But yep. then at the same time, what I really like about this film too, is that I feel like it plays it very like realistically, like, like if this were to happen and this were a real thing, the, like, I buy all of the, the relationship stuff with the group of friends. I buy like their reactions and how they go about trying to deal with this thing. Like, especially at the end, it's like, it's, it's totally like a dumb idea to try to electrocute this thing in a huge ass pool. Yeah. I mean, it seems like something that teenagers would cook up like a Scooby-Doo type of thing. Exactly. and the what was I gonna say? I just lost my train of thought. Uh blood face the pool. You could see a blood face in the pool though. I'm gonna look out for that next time for sure. Yeah, I have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah I just um, like that it adds it, it adds that uncertainty, yet like the the characterizations and the performances feel very real to me. Mm-hmm. And they're also very protective of Jay, right? Like everybody banded yeah. together to help out Jay. Great. Yep. That's one of the things I like about this film that like I really appreciated about it is in a lot of films like this where something where you're in like a reality based universe but something supernatural is happening the main character can't get anybody to believe them 
And in this film, I like that her friends really rally around her, even though they have no reason to believe at first, they have no reason to believe that this could be real, but they, they're pretty quick to get on board with helping her out and trying to protect her and and keep her safe. Jacqueline, Um, I disagree only for the fact that she was dropped off in the car and that dude took off like the, the one that passed it along to her. Yeah. And then all her friends came around and just helped her out. It like they saw her in distress and yeah. came to get her. But believing the supernatural yeah, but, element right. of it is something that they well, no, 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 no. I, they're to, still I trying to help her. And like, I, do you see it now? Even though like they like they're 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 on but, board with like the story she's telling before they've had evidence of that. That's like the it, point is that that you know this whole idea of dying or 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 mortality is they don't get, but they still support her friend. And come around her once she's dropped off when the this dipshit just like, hey, you're done. And she's like on her hands and knees just in the middle. Doesn't of- even give her clothes back, which I thought. <laughs> well, I get the yeah, feeling that they super think. Fucked up. Well, I get the feeling that they think she's been raped. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, but but whatever the point. And are responding is, to that. Right. But but then she's telling them a different story. I understand later on. that, but but she, they still have empathy for her. If that's what she's telling or that's what she's saying is that it's like we're going to support her no matter what. Like even the neighborhood kid across the street helps her out and he does not. Yes. Believe at yeah. all. What she's saying. But he believes her like he, he trusts yeah. her. He cares for her, yeah. but he doesn't believe in the entity at all. Like where the other friends sort of do enough. They believe what Jay says. He just wants to help out. Mm hmm. That's why he has sex with her, because he's like, yeah, I'll have sex with you because I don't believe in the fucking thing anyway. See, I think that's a move of him being kind of a dirtbag a little bit. I agree. He doesn't. He's like, I don't fucking believe in this. He doesn't think that's actually keeping her. He doesn't think he's taking on anything for her to to actually help her. He just thinks he's getting sex. Like she's getting, she's got something going on mentally, and I have a chance to slide in here and get some scale. She's vulnerable. Find out that he already had advantage of this. Yeah. Hmm? They already hooked up once before. They kissed. And I think they actually hooked up. No. It, to me, it made it seem like they hooked up. They and hooked they, up. Paul, Paul and Jay talk about how they kissed once before. Right. Yeah. No, she and then he went and then kissed her sister. comfortable doing it again. Wow. Yeah, he was a familiar face. And she says it too. Like, I thought he was strong enough, or I, th- I thought he could. Uh, well, he was tough player. enough, something like that. To well, no, to the to the demon. Oh. Like I thought he was strong enough to like face it. Maybe that's what she thought too, though. Like, oh yeah, he's a player. He, I thought she meant he can just enough. take this yeah. and fucking spread it that, around a bunch. Exactly. And I'll be was, I'll be distanced. That was a weird part of the movie, is because like his demon was his mom. Isn't that? Well, that's the form. Well, it temporarily takes the form vulnerable. I mean, to. It can change on a on a dime. Oh, I understand that. But, but he's like, house. "What the fuck, mom?" And then all of a sudden, she jumps him and kills him. And G baby too. And you mentioned uh, like the water thing. It's weird because when you notice when she's killing him, you see all the liquid and stuff like being transferred mm-hmm. between like their arms and like I don't know if that's supposed to be sweat or whatever it is. It's weird, right? Like, yeah, I, you know, I've, I saw some stuff online, people talking about, hey, maybe, maybe, 
maybe that's yeah it's stealing that water like like pulling that out like because the water is safety water is life it's taking that from him i'm sure there's some edipal things going on there too like (laughs) mom's son and ties into you know sexual abuse type type things that i can't really elucidate on but i think that's probably there too but yeah that that definitely struck me it's like Cause they zoom in and they, and then there's like electricity too. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, kind of a tinge of that. Comes through the room. You see like sparks, like light going off. Yeah. So I don't, I wonder if like she saw that and internalized it. And like when they were plant game planning with Paul, like maybe the electricity water, maybe that's how yeah, we maybe. can zap it out. And there's one, two, one thing too, I want to bully in here is when they're watching TV, I can't remember at one point at what point, but, um, the movie, the old timey movie they're watching, uh, the dude foreshadows what ha- their plan at the end when he's like, it's just one like a throwaway line. He's like, um, uh, you can't do that. It won't s- sustain itself. There's it, there's not enough electric charge. And then when you get to the end, you know, they don't realize like this is such a huge body of water. Yeah. Like it's not going to work the way they it's intended. Totally it's not a fucking bathtub and you're throwing a. Uh-huh. a toaster in it you know yeah was that a real movie or they- it was a real movie know. was it, it was a real movie yeah. oh, it's probably a public domain movie that they were i have it in my trivia i just it's i don't have it right in front of me but i'll get to it okay now trivia. going back going to the climax and that is like a major complaint about people that criticize this movie what do you guys think about that do you feel like the film sort of falters off a little bit in that does it feel a little rushed or something that the final scene of them trying to do that you know them walking away with somebody behind them no 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 that part i great is great the actual climax of them trying to take down the the monster in the pool the entity like some people think that feels a little like odd or like um my first read on it um, i didn't like it yeah like for the longest time up until a couple years ago maybe that was my biggest bone to pick with it and like a lot of people are like it's great till the third act it's great till the third act it's like a forced solution right how do we end this oh we'll just have them do this pool scene yeah and i thought that was the director like you know like uh, i gotta find a way to to bring this together bring it home you know and like maybe that part of the film was short-sighted and like kind of rushed and that's that was my gut reaction but then later on what i alluded to earlier about like the water being in the antithesis to the thing and like it being able to be killed while submerged in water then i looked at it maybe i'm looking at it purposefully through rose tinted glasses like okay this is what he meant now it makes sense to me and i like it more that's my take on it i think you might be on to something actually i think that might actually be it might actually make the film better in the end for some people if they knew that going in or like if they figured that out themselves because now that i'm thinking about it there is a ton of usage of water in this film right yeah totally but that's just my take but right out of the gate i didn't like it i was like "Mm." it's not my my favorite part of the film but i think it it serves its purpose and something i read from from Dave, I keep wanting to say David Cameron Mitchell, but I, I think that's Hedwig. What is this guy? David Robert. Michael? Robert. David Mitchell. Robert Mitchell. All these people with three names. I can't keep them. I keep wanting to call him David Gordon Green. He's got three names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. David Gordon Green. Uh, <laughs> oh, so I, I read something where he said that like he's aware that this is like kind of a stupid, like Scooby-Doo kind of oh, no shit. that they've come up with. And he's like, but this is what I think kids their age yeah. would do like just trying to come up with something even though it's like kind of harebrained and 
like sounds really dumb if you like explain it. Um, but that's like what I think they would actually do, even though it's a stupid idea. Yeah, that makes sense. Though. Like because there's no adults in this film. Mostly it's mostly just the kids solving their own problems. Yeah, and... they're trying to like fend for themselves and well... using whatever like resources and idea the creative ideas they can come up with the kids didn't solve anything and the one thing is is that you well i thought you guys thought well g baby thinks they did well i think with the cgi is that this this cloud of blood that was in the pool smiled and then cut to black i never saw I'm that. Have to go I back and watch, watch that yeah, I, I just didn't see it. no it was a face i what, tell what you what kind of psychedelics no. were you on when you watched this movie i'm just curious <laughs> mushrooms acid some morning glory seeds uh, or something so morning glory have, seeds like, whatever you want to call it i'm not saying it's not there i mean that'd be cool if it was there yeah i just never noticed it, i just didn't there I mean, it, it, this is like the third time i saw this movie i've just seen cloudy blood that sort of like pulls around and spreads i mean it looks very beautiful and kind of like ink bloody but um yeah, the, the the only thing that I really don't care for about that scene is that like when we see the electrical appliances being thrown into the water and it's not from her perspective, like when you don't see anything thrown, it's they're just like flying through the air on their own. It just looks kind of whack. Like it yeah. looks the, the CGI doesn't look good to me. I do love that like the final form is take is her dad. Yeah. Like that's and the really sister asking what it, what's it look like and she she's like want i don't want to tell you yeah i don't want to tell you what it is like and you could read that too like assuming their dad passed he, away maybe or he died or maybe it was a fucking deadbeat piece of shit and like yeah, and he caused a lot of trauma yeah, yeah. i like that too because you can there's not they don't explain it the mom yeah. isn't a character that's in there you don't know you hear who's the on the roof that's grandpa, it's grandpa. was it really yeah yeah they flash they show just like they show the dad they showed the dad in two different instances on pictures, one in her yeah. room and then one on the wall in the living room. Yeah. And then they also show the grandpa. It's like, it's Jay when she's younger, she her grandma and grandpa. How did dude I mean, it's not, it's not <laughs> super clear, but to me, I always took like, it as the grandfather. I was like, yeah, that looks like that old dude. And after multiple watchings, I've noticed the, fi- like the pictures. Like after yeah. like, like the second watching is when I noticed like, oh, they've been alluding to who some of these. Yeah, that's were purposeful through the photos in the in the house. Yeah. And by the way, too, that that probably more so than the big tall guy. I mean, that's creepy for sure. But I think for my taste, the second scariest or maybe the tie for the first scariest presence of it is that fucking naked dude just because it's just roof. like saying fuck you like i i'm watching you like and it yeah. because it hasn't hasn't done anything like that like always it's always walking it's always uh-huh. coming towards but at that point it's towards like we're in the end game now and it's up on the roof just staring it down and she doesn't say anything and she's like nope. okay like she's embracing like like we're taking this to the fucking wire which like this movie has such a great sense of dread I think. Yeah. 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 Dread's a great word for this entire movie. Just like yeah, extreme well, dread. You feel it because uh, Jay feels it primarily. Most people don't understand what she's going through. Right. They're just supportive of her. But right. she's feeling it constantly since the first you time. See she it, though. Like when they're at the beach at Lake Huron or yeah, but they still don't understand. Like, yeah. But but you think of that flying around and like the door breaking. It's like I think that's when her friends finally buy in. Like I yeah, think, I think so they are supportive when he the whole time of her, yeah. but it's not until that point where they're like, "Okay, something fucking weird is going on here." Yep. Mm-hmm. I also love in the end how Paul ends up shooting Yara on the leg, by, like by accident, which is yeah. could totally happen. I mean, it almost happened to fucking Greg when uh, Jay was shooting outside of the garage. 
Yeah, he's like right there. He's he like, ducks Whoa, down. Dude. he ducks under like a fucking lawn chair, which is like, what is that going to do? Bro? But anyway, I agree about the dread. I think and I think yeah. that that kind of speaks to one of the greatest strengths of this film is the simplicity of the concept. Like it's a minimalistic plot, I think. But like the very core idea that like the scary thing in this movie is just someone or something following you. And you can't, it just keeps coming. It's yep. not, this is not elaborate. Yeah. Like it's not complicated. It's, it's just something that fo- that follows you and it will get you. And we don't know, like, you don't know what it's going to do when it gets you. We see a couple of examples of what can happen, but we don't really actually see it happening. We yeah, see you that, don't like, see that moment effects. of what yeah. happens when it connects. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And I think it for me when i'm watching this movie it really brings me back to like a childhood place where you have nightmares or like some mean kid on the playground is teasing it's like i'm gonna get you and it's this feeling of like something's gonna get me and like we've all had dreams where we're trying to get away from someone or something and you know you don't know what it's gonna do like you don't know what's gonna happen when it gets you but just the idea of something coming after you and that not knowing is so it's to me it's like such a primal like mm-hmm. inborn childhood like lizard brain fear and oh. that i think that's what creates this dread and so simple like you don't need a lot of special effects it's just like people nah. walking at you but you know that it's it's bad but jacqueline isn't it death is like like our biggest fear when we realize that we're gonna die is isn't that what it is well, I think so, but that's, yeah, that's I totally just my buy interpretation. I think it is. Yeah. I buy into that too. I just think it can be, there's other things wrapped up in it too, but that's for sure. Definitely. I mean, well, death is yeah. always coming it's after you. Right. And it's, you're never going to get rid of it. Once you right. realize that, that your mind in your mind, that you're going to die is it's like, that is your fear. It's, it's nothing else. You know, it's not, it's not this allegory or or the social commentary of getting a disease of having sex. It's like you're gonna die, right? Yeah. And it's growing up and knowing that because there's a threat. Yeah. There's some threshold. Some people grow up quicker than others, but sure. for most people, it's around like sometime in high school. For most it's people, it's like when you graduate, and then it's like, oh, hey, you gotta fucking hit the bricks. You start uh, having you're on your own. You gotta start fending. At that age, yeah. I mean, I. I it's like we've yeah. all gone through it in our lives is that that we've seen this happen and your mortality is the biggest fear of anybody's life is that that our mortality is like oh my god yes this I can is gonna say, happen to me yeah like firsthand like i've never questioned my mortality more than after my parents passed away absolutely absolutely you just feel like there's like a part of me that was gone Hydroberg, right? My childhood and people that raised me. And then, yeah, you you put it perfectly. Is that your mortality is gone? Is that 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 I know it can happen to me now? You're taking a step closer. Yeah. Yeah. By witnessing it firsthand. Yeah. That's how it felt. That's this movie played out is that it's one step closer. Uh, Sorry, Lincoln Park reference, but one step closer (laughs) to the edge of like, like, Sorry about that. Now I'm about to die. <laughs> but I, I just feel that 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 this movie actually took a deeper dive into that 
And a lot of people read this as like, I don't know, maybe it's a, a metaphor for uh, STDs. Yeah, they just think they take the surface value. Uh, of- yeah, I don't, I don't like that. that. I mean, I don't think that's like wrong. I just think there's more I, to it I, than that. I don't it's just see- surface level. Yeah. But, but but we're all of the age of like, okay, yes, wear a condom, you're good. But but it's about mortality. It's a it, it's that one step closer to you realize that you're not going to live forever. No. Yeah, and you can't protect against that like an STD. Like wear a condom. Like make smarter decisions you know sure. like mm-hmm. there's a, there's things you can do about that with death there's nothing you can do to mitigate that you, can't plan you can try and prolong it you know but it's not it's not something that you can uh escape you can and only stave off I, the reaper for so long yeah. <laughs> and by the end i feel like paul and jay have they've come to grips with that right so mm-hmm. like they're together as a couple like jay's a, jay's accepted the fact that like paul's a good guy and he's always been after me i'm gonna give him a chance i'm gonna live you know and they, uh, they however down the death is together. right behind their back but we don't know who that is we don't know that that's it exactly yeah. right but could I, be, it, it could be it's not. interpretation that's, that's and G made, he maybe per, put it perfectly is that you don't know yeah you don't know what's behind you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the guy has a lot of clothes look. on so i don't think it was him anyway <laughs> <laughs> i had fun watching this movie um kind of like trying to follow the logic and trying to figure out like the i mean this was this is mostly like silliness but trying to figure out the like rules of this game like okay what counts as sex like can it get you like if you just do anal like does anal count or like (laughs) does it no that's a good question i didn't i mean does it like what if you don't ejaculate like what if you don't finish does it know that does it count i don't know a lot of women don't even come during sex because all right this is a lot of uh, no conversation for me i'm leaving (laughs) (laughs) what if you do anal we found the 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 way around it follows it's just (laughs) do anal and you'll live like i mean does it know can it get on a does it have to walk maybe there's a totally different entity that comes after you if you do anal you know, there there's something the director said that it, Called uh, that I really liked about that was um, about anal. These, no, 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 no. <laughs> no uh, about uh, like the rules and like because a lot of people have attacked like you know your rules don't hold up and like that's what I that's what I have a problem with. It's kind of funny. Even I don't think David Robert Mitchell has Twitter anymore, but he did. And uh, Quentin Tarantino watched It Follows, and he fuck he was a big fan. He was like, he was hoisting it up and saying, "This is fucking dope. This is one of the best things to happen to horror in ten years." Yada yada yada. But he also threw it in the caveat that, you know, I'm misquoting this, but something along the lines of, "I wish it would have kept more true to its rules that you created," and then. The director fired back at him kind of playfully, but I liked it because it, it took balls too, because he was like, Hey, you know, some of the stuff you made, you know, I've had issues with, you know, some of your rules and continuity, but hey, let's have a beer and talk about it, you know? And that I thought that was kind of cool that he like bowed up against this fucking juggernaut of Quentin Tarantino. But point being, that was just a little aside. Um, he said in an interview that the rules, I mean, it's kind of convenient for him to like deflect people capping on his rules, but he's like the rules that are unveiled in the film only come from Hugh, only come from Hugh Jeff. Um, And so that's, you're, you're basing that on it's, 
may or may not be an un- unreliable narrator you know like mm-hmm. he, he, we so don't know how far he got along the rules from from the chicken yeah bar, he, we don't know how long he's been tasked or you know yeah. stuck with this succubus incubus thing we don't know how what kind of info he got from the person if any that gave it to yeah. him it could be a giant you know, game of telephone that it's gotten so worse. he might have half or three quarters of the rules down but i wonder if it ever know, got who hugh hugh yeah we never find out what happens to him no but wouldn't that wouldn't that mean that uh paul and or jay would have had something we would have had to see something happen to them for yeah you're right to go back to him right yeah Yeah. it's funny about his life while you're transferring it like when the next person has it like you can still see it while you're like the next one in line i think that's right. because you you're still not safe it. you're still yeah not you're safe. still not safe right so you so right. like she could still see it out the window when it goes for greg because greg exactly yeah. well because it's not greg like the next ring in line and she was with greg less it's so. not like the ring where once you've passed it on then you're safe yeah. forever yeah, it's like right. you're safe for a minute but if that per- if the person you pass it to gets killed then you're still on the chopping block so but i think I, it's like you're still like infected with it or right, whatever right i also thought that was a brilliant thing to say of regardless of he, who you passed it to like paul apparently went to these hookers and looking at them and you couldn't insinuate what's going on but th- they still were gonna die because death was still chasing them i i, I that's always chasing those hookers yeah that's exactly a you're a hoe too um a burn uh, we're gonna call you hoberg hoberg <laughs> i'm okay with that <laughs> such a hoe <laughs> What but I, just, I get what you're saying, John. I just thought it was great the way it's still death chasing you. Uh, um, a lot of people interpret this as it being an STD movie. It's not. It's just you're gonna die eventually, right? I'm fine with that too. I don't like when people write it off like, oh, it's it's an STD, and but then they write it off. It's like if you want to interpret it that way, that's fine. Yeah, but the, the majority of people that say that. Then they write it off and the, or they don't like it. And that's like a crux to their argument is but that, G-Baby. Oh, it's just uh, STD. G baby. At, at the end of the movie, you saw somebody like following after them and it cuts to black. And it's just like, oh, that's what it was about. You're because that was exactly how I read it. First time I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, they're fucked. It's yeah, like there's no happy ending here. It's your mortality. This is what's going to happen to you. Yeah. And then maybe that's them accepting it. You know, they're, yeah, it looks like they're, pro- they're kind of carefree and, you know, it ends on their loose and fancy free walking. I mean, you look at it, like they're both looking with word looks. They're not looking the behind them like, anymore, though. Yeah. But they're all, yeah, they, look, they look sort of peaceful. They look exactly they so. by showing their back, right? Like, right. Like they almost they're... look a little happy. They're like holding uh-huh. hands and they're, they might there's like, I, I, little... I don't know. Come to grips. I mean, that's how I read it. I think that's what's yeah. great about this is you can it's totally open for interpretation. Right. That movie that they're watching, by the way, that right. has that reference to like, there's not enough electricity. It's Killers from Space from 1954. Mm. Nice. So there you go. Nice. There you guys want to you guys want to review this sucker? Wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hydra Burke. You go first, All right. man. Your I will go first. 
Uh, I got a the score is like one of the first things I have to comment on. It's fucking so good. It's one of the best scores I've heard in a movie in a long time. It's one of the things that stands out in this film, period. Great. Like when I first saw it, it was one of the first things that like gripped me. Like you said with the trailer, bro, like you saw you heard some of the score and it pulled you mm-hmm. in. When I heard this score and this like this film, this film brought me back to a time of when I was young, like when I would rent a film from the movies, from the, the rental store, bring it home watch it and it would have like an 80 synth vibe and like you know you'd watch something scary and as a kid and this film just did it for me and you know it's great that the film has so much more to actually explore tonally um you know we could pick we picked it apart tonight but just on a aesthetic level i just love this film just for that alone um i just really like the premise too it's super original like yeah. There's not much out there that has something like this. Like, yeah, we have entity films, but and I love supernatural films. Like, that's my jam. And like this film does something totally different with it. And a vi- in, in a way that, you know, I like the, the uh, to quote Bob, like a kids on bikes sort of um, vibe. Uh, it, this film definitely nails that sort of summertime, like kids out and about doing their thing sort of vibe. And I, I like that. It's a different uh, mix of uh, like sort of genres that we haven't seen so much in, in uh, horror. So I liked it. Um, the sense of dread that you feel in this film just never really lets up. And I love that. And it's totally helped by the masterful score. It's just like, it's constantly there. Just like the it, you know, it's never going away. The direction in this film is phenomenal. The cinematography is fucking phenomenal. Those roundabout shots that you mentioned, the 360 film, it's like shots. They're not overly used, but when they are like, especially in the school, like you're just your eyes darting around. Like, where is this thing? Is it coming? There's two people walking towards the camera right now. Like, is that it? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah, And it puts you in, in Jay's shoes. Like you totally realize like this girl is fucking scared for her life right now. Like anybody could be it and it could be upon you at any moment. And you won't, you can't let your guard down at all because it takes the form of whatever it wants. Uh, The cast, I think does a great, it's a great mix of actors too, that really just nail their parts there. It's mainly focuses on Jay. And a lot of the characters are just like mainly just, um, you know, side characters, like supporting actors. And I do kind of wish that sometimes we learned a little bit more about them, but I don't feel like the film, like really, it's like a real ding. You know, we just there's like there's no parents. Right. So we don't see Yara's home life or anything like that or what Paul's life is like. But they're all there to help out Jay. And that's what the main plot is about. So that, you know, it works for the film. Um let me see. Um, and the as a ding, like that's a small ding about the characters, just like the side characters not having like enough to do besides just help out Jay. But it's it's really minor. Uh, the climax, I feel like is solidly constructed, but and not as much as the rest of the film. At least it comes across like with the first viewing. But now that we're picking apart and, and like G baby, all the stuff that you brought to light with like the, the water and stuff like that, like it totally makes me think that like there was more of a plan of the way this film ended happening in the pool and stuff. Um, and the, the, you know, the fact that like the, the plan that the kids come up with is just like that. It's a, it's a plan that kids came up with. Like it's not solid and it's silly, but they thought it would work. And they're, they're taking down some kind of weird entity that what, what would you do if you were in those, you know, in issues? So it's a small thing. I could see people criticizing it for that, but honestly, like I don't have many criticisms about this film, the stuff that could be nitpicked, I overlook because so much of the other parts of the film work for me. And ever since I've seen this film, I've always remembered it and I always recommend it to people. And for that, I am going to give 
it follows 10 out of 10 casual encounters. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Was that your first 10, Hydrobark? No, I gave a 10 uh, recently to Babadook. Oh. And maybe thanks killing as well, I think. Abba. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. I gave it a, a zero one, which if you flipped it around is a 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I transposed those numbers in my mind. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 10 out of 10 from Hydrobark. Gee, baby. Um, man, I, you pretty much nailed it, uh, Hydroberg. I, I feel very similar. Um, uh, yeah. So, like, the main things, like, just on its face, this movie, this is, uh, it's a comfort movie for me. It's, like, the vibe, the aesthetic, the soundtrack. It goes, like, it, it buys so much credit with me, like, like it's what hooked me in from the trailer and like the sense of like, you know, that uncertainty from like 17, 18, 19 to 20, that, that kind of time frame And like that sense of like melancholy of like, you don't know what to do next, but the whole time you've been thinking, you know, like, God, I can't wait to get out of the house. I can't wait to get out of the house. It's like, be careful what you wish for, you know, kind uh-huh. of thing. And like, you know, th- that innocence is stripped and then you have to, you know, you have to go to work, you have to do all these things. And then you start thinking about death and like, you, you know, everything that goes with transitioning from that carefree teenager, that's like, you know, hanging out in your pool in the backyard, staring up at the sky. Uh, like that, that vibe just resonated with me so much of this movie and I'm all about vibes and this is just dripping with that. Um the soundtrack, yeah, it's it's amazing. I I, I like that the soundtrack is very theatrical. Like there's like like I think there's like nine or ten tracks. A lot of them add to like the movie, but there's a couple of tracks that I like to listen to, like in the background, put them on a loop if I'm doing some kind of work. A uh, couple I'll recommend. The title, I love the title track. The wow, 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 wow. Mm-hmm. But that. there's another song called Detroit. It's only a minute and twenty seconds, but it's when they're driving um, to Greg's summer cabin. That uh-huh. whole scene, I just fucking love it. Like they're going by, they're seeing like you're, and you're going from um, the kept up suburbs, you know, around Detroit, and you go deeper into, and then you see all the decrepit buildings and stuff and then they're out in the rural countryside but that whole scene and that that track just like i love that so much about this film but um i I love too that there there's so many things that you can go back and look at and and it leaves you with a lot of things to like chew on like one thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about was like the um the proof rock uh poem Mm -hmm. that jay listens to in the class Mm-hmm. And then the two excerpts from Dostoevsky's The Idiot that Yara reads from her clamshell thing, which, by the way, I too, I've seen. This isn't something I came up with. It's novel. But people have said, hey, that looks like a fucking uh, um, a birth control clamshell. So mm-hmm. just kind of alluding That's to like actually. life, death and like sex and yeah. all those kinds of things. But um, those, those excerpts that she reads and then the one in the classroom, like. I wish I was smart enough to decode and like understand, but there's things that you pick up on. It's talking about like, you know, like death and, and the things that are inevitable. And I think the, the poem when she's in class, it resonated because it's talking about like, you know, come what may, you know, like kind of like yielding to the fact that you're going to die. Maybe that's your freedom from it. 
I mean, that's that's kind of wrapped in cliche too. But I would th- there's that that you could go back. I think that that was a very like uh, uh, the director put that in there on purpose. There's something behind those, and I they wish I was smart. I wish I was smarter to be able to understand like what what those are are pulling at. But there's just so that there's so much in the film that I think you can go back and and just like think on and it's so open to interpretation um that you can uh kind of break it apart and think about different things and there's a there's a bunch of like maybe not little easter eggs but i guess when we get to trivia i have a couple that i want to pull out too that are pretty neat but um anyway sorry i give this 10 out of 10 what is it casual encounters yeah mm-hmm. i love this fucking movie it's like i said depending on the day of the week it's my favorite movie of all time um it's just a it's a great film. It's a great horror film. I like what it did for horror, brought me back into it. But I think it kind of maybe it wasn't the one that started it, but I feel like it rejuvenated horror a little bit. Like people I'm not gonna get into like elevated horror and all that kind of stuff because I don't I don't subscribe to that, but um it's definitely it started original. It, it started it though. Well, I mean, around yeah. that time frame, like 2014 yeah. or so, is when a lot of films started coming out. You're like, saying it's like a little, it kind of kicked off a little bit of a renaissance. Is that yeah. sort of what yeah. you're saying? Totally. That's the way it feels. Mm-hmm. Just so, asking. Awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Wow. Yeah. 10 out of 10. I love Two it. 10 out of 10s in a row. Damn. Wow. Oh. Uh, Unprecedented. We have a special uh, review that was. Uh, pre-recorded uh by bob i asked bob to uh chime in because i know that just like g baby and, and i uh bob is a big fan from the straight chilling crew uh podcast that uh, he's a big fan of this film and uh they covered it a long time ago in one of their older older episodes but um i we couldn't have him on because we already had jim baby but i just wanted bob to give him a chance to come on and chime in so he pre-recorded a uh review for us what up, nerds? It's your boy, Bob, from the Straight Chilling Podcast. First off, I want to say a big thanks to John, Jacqueline, and Hydraberg for inviting me to share my thoughts on It Follows. Um, even though I'm not on the show, uh, they're aware that I just, I really am a big fan of this movie, and I have a lot of thoughts about it, um, and I pretty much jump on the opportunity to talk about this movie any chance I get. So thanks for uh, asking me my thoughts, guys. Um, really do appreciate it. I'll try and make this somewhat brief, um, but I do have a lot of points I want to hit on. Uh, so let's jump right into it. First off, I'm sure you guys talked about this at length, but the movie has absolutely beautiful cinematography. Um, it looks like the thing was shot by Dean Cundey himself. It definitely was not. Um, but it's got these like big, beautiful wide shots of this, um, uh, suburb of, Detroit, and then you know you've got these these beautiful shots of uh, the inner city, uh, the urban court, the urban decay of Detroit um, that just really like is shot so beautifully. You've got these beach scenes as well that sort of like contrast um, the inner city uh, squalor of Detroit. It's it couldn't be shot any better. The saturated colors, it's just like it's so, it's so pleasing to look at, even though half the movie is just like decay and disgust. Um, it looks fantastic. Also, there's this one uh, reoccurring camera trick. They do it at the very beginning of the movie and then again somewhere in the middle at the school where the camera is doing a, a very slow, like full 360 spin. And I love 
that they do that. I think it's kind of brilliant. This movie is basically about um, an unknown entity coming after you and it never stops. It's always coming and it always looks like somebody different. So your characters in the movie are constantly like, uh, you know, looking over their shoulders, so to speak, uh, trying to make sure they're not about to get got. And when this camera's spinning like it does, it basically forces the audience to do the exact same thing the characters in the movie are doing. We're like looking over our shoulders. You know, our head is literally on a swivel at this point, at these two points in the movie. I think it's just like a a really, really nice touch. Um, Well done. Also, uh, the opening kill sequence after that spinning camera shot, um, it happens off screen. We don't actually see it, but... We see the aftermath in this this poor girl laying on the beach, dead with her leg like bent back. She's got this compound pr- fracture. It's like absolutely brutal and horrific, but it's like framed in a way. It's almost like uh, it's 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 like a tableau that like Michael Myers would leave behind or something like that. And I think there's a lot of influence this movie draws from Halloween, and I'll touch on that a little bit as we go, and that definitely plays into why I love this movie so much. Halloween is a favorite of mine, as it is of so many others. Um, that opening like frame, though, I think is very iconic, and it's, it's very simple. Um, I, I already touched on the setting. I think Detroit is absolutely just a, a great place to set a horror movie. Um, the director is actually from Detroit, David Robert Mitchell. Um, and I I think he's got his first movie was also set in Detroit as well. Um, I, I'm sure you guys touched on this as well. The score by disaster piece is just baller. It's one of the best scores I've heard in so, so long. Um, it's got this synth wave vibe to it. It's very, very creepy and jarring when it needs to be. Um, it adds to the movie, but also like can be listened to on its own and appreciated, um, as a piece of art all, in, in and of itself, basically. And it's obviously inspired by uh, some of the earlier scores of John Carpenter as well. Um, also, I, I just think like the concept of this movie is really, really cool. And it felt super fresh in uh, 2015 when this came out. I know it, it says 2014 on, on uh, IMDb. I think it did like its festival run, festival run in 2014 and then it hit theaters in 2015. Um, but it, it the concept of this uh, this curse that is transmitted by way of having sex, having intercourse is like just so fucking cool. And I'd never seen anything quite like it before. I, I you know, it just, it, it had this like really fresh, uh, feel to it. It's sort of like energized, uh, horror movie fans and, you know, film fans in general. I think this movie did sort of transcend from, uh, outside of just the horror genre, but I think it really like energized horror movie fans specifically who maybe we're tired of the shit they saw in like the 2010s. Um, tired of just seeing, uh, you know, uh, haunted house movie after haunted house movie, or you know, remakes, or you know, reimaginings of of classic movies and countless sequels and stuff. It just felt very fresh, and like it's such a simple idea at its core, but it's one that everybody I think can relate to. This movie is like it's very much a coming of age tale of these these teenagers who are just starting to experiment with their sexuality. And like, as they're doing so, it it should be like a very like fun moment in a person's life. But like, as they're doing so, they're being met with this like absolute abject horror, this like terrible thing that's coming after them. And it's like, 
they're they're basically they're trading their innocence in in this in this movie and they're literally gaining the sight to see what's coming for them and it will never stop coming for them like i think it it really just is like a metaphor of like becoming an adult like you know it, the transitioning from an an adolescent to an adult where like as you get older you you you're looking into the future you you have to think about what's what's coming down the line um uh you got to you got to plan ahead make sure you got a roof over your head you're taking care of yourself your family what have you you know these kids earlier in the movie they were playing old maid and riding bikes and just hanging out and they're just like uh they're they're trading in their their innocence for this this sight they're able to see this monster this literal monster coming for them that i think ultimately is just a metaphor for death the inevitability of death um i think it's a really simple smart way to show that um and i i dig the hell out of it um the kids themselves deliver a great performance all, all of them are great like the parents are basically absent in this movie. This does kind of have a, a little bit of like a kids on bikes vibe to it, um, where these kids are running around sort of like solving their own problems. And you really get a good sense of their friendship and they really feel invested in one another and like they care about one another. And they're really like trying to fucking help each other get out of this terrible situation. Um, it's like, I don't know, like a slight Goonies vibe, but like more horrific, I guess. Um, also like the way the monster is portrayed is oftentimes like really scary. Like this movie, you can read a lot into, in, into this movie, like metaphorically and like dissect what you think it's trying to say. But if you just want to sit down and watch a scary movie, you can do that with this. No problem. Like the, the lady in the, um, in the kitchen, she's like peeing all over herself. It's terrifying. Later on in that scene with the giant dude that walks through the door, terrifying. Um, their dad is even like coming after them at one point. He's like standing on top of the roof and he's all naked, which is like, you know, seeing your parent naked is fucking true horror in and of itself, especially if they're going to like fuck you to death or absorb you or whatever this creature does. We don't really know exactly. This shit is actually scary though. Um, it's, I, yeah, to touch more on like the Halloween influences i think here you got the teenage group um banding together to sort of defeat this um silent slow moving evil that they don't fully understand that essentially can never be defeated um it also has that sort of like suburban setting or like halfway suburban setting in this movie that is um the kids you know they got these like long uh sidewalk shots where they're the kids are walking through um there's the, the suburbs um i don't know there's just like the synth score again and the way yeah just the the way the movie's shot it definitely has a lot of halloween vibes um i gotta think that was intentional um also this movie is uh one of the characters yara sort of like really solidifies i think the, the whole point of this movie she's got her little clamshell e-reader thing that is like of the future but has never really existed i don't know it's a weird little questionable device where she's reading Dostoevsky's novel the idiot um and it basically like bookends the movie she starts reading it at the beginning and their kids are like asking like you know what do you think is it any good she's like i don't know i just started 
and at the end of the movie, she's laying in the hospital bed and she's she's finishing it up, and she she says, uh, you know, the uh, something along the lines. I'm paraphrasing here. But she says, like, you know, the wounds are are not the worst of it. Uh, the worst of it is the the uh, the re- relentlessness of death. It is always coming for you. And in fact, it is indeed always coming for you. and It won't stop. Something like that. That's essentially like the point of the movie. I think you know, it kind of if you're in doubt, it sort of delivers. Uh, he, <laughs> the the director kind of like hand delivers it to you at the end there. Um, I think this is a great summertime watch. Um, like I said, kind of a kids on bikes movie. Um, they're always in or around a body of water in this fucking movie. Um, Jay, the, uh, the main girl, she's, uh, swimming in her family pool. I believe the first time we see her, she's in the pool. Um, she's sort of like relaxing, uh, chilling out. Um, they also like, they go to the lake to try and escape the monster. Um, they end up using the school's swimming pool at the end to try and defeat the monster. Also, the girl at the very beginning tries to escape the monster by running uh, to the beach, or she drives a car to the beach, rather. Um, Jay also, like, swims out to a boat at one point, and we're led to believe she has sex with some dude on that boat to pass the curse along to him. Um, So there's just, like, water all over this place. It definitely gives it, like, a a summer-type vibe. And I also think that's... Water's used as a symbol, I think, in this movie specifically of, like, childhood um, so like I said, the parents are sort of like totally absent in this movie, but if, if whenever Jay is like getting ready to go out on her date where she eventually has sex with that dude and gets cursed and sort of, you know, becomes a, an adult, so to speak, um, you see pictures on, um, her, her desk there of like her in the pool chilling out. And then you got pictures of her and her dad as well. And I think that's the only time we see her dad other than when he's like on the roof naked and spooky. Um, but it seems that, you know, it's like the, the swimming pool is sort of like a symbol of her childhood, I guess. And like after, uh, she gets the curse from this dude, she continues to go back to water, back to water, back to water, uh, which is sort of like, uh, symbolizing her, like trying to return to her childhood, childhood, so to speak, which we all know is impossible. You can't do it. So every time she does it to try and escape or defeat the monster, it doesn't work. What she's trying to do is impossible. She is now uh, fully aware um, that she is indeed going to die one day and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, uh, Once you partake of that forbidden fruit, you cannot unlearn what you have now learned. Um, I don't know. Water is a symbol for sure. Maybe I'm not nailing exactly what it stands for, but that's what I'm pulling out of it anyways. I know being a Florida kid myself, the beach, the pool definitely symbolizes my childhood. I grew up in water for sure. So maybe I'm just projecting that myself. Anyways, I don't have a whole lot of negatives for this movie. I guess like maybe if you really wanted to dissect the rules of the movie, you might be able to say, well, it doesn't necessarily follow its own rules. I don't really see that here i mean we don't have a rule book for for what this monster is or exactly what it does or what it wants we don't really know it's just these teenage kids telling each other telling each other what they think they know and they think they understand it but they obviously don't fully and in the end i think that you know they quote kill the monster i don't believe they do i believe it's following them on the sidewalk at the very end and there's you know really no stopping it whatsoever just like pure evil can't be stopped in halloween um 
I really don't have any negatives for this movie, so to speak. This has definitely been a bit of a gush fest, um, but I don't apologize for it. Hell, this movie, when it first came out, it got a limited theatrical release, um, and the theaters kept selling out, so they opened it up a little bit more in, in a few more theaters, and then those kept selling out, and they opened it up in even more theaters, and eventually it just turned into a wide release. And like, when's the last time you heard of that happening? Like, maybe it's happened since. If it has, I'm just not really sure about it. But like, that's an incredible thing. Like, word of mouth. People like this movie so much. Word of mouth was so strong. It was like forced into a wide release. That is fucking awesome. I remember seeing this the first time in the theater. Packed house. People were losing their damn minds. It is exactly how you want to watch a movie like this for the first time, in my opinion. I fucking love it. It is a great movie. Um, I believe Hyderberg told me his his rating was uh, casual encounters, so I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10 casual encounters, or if you want to get a little more risque with your rating system, I would also give this 10 out of 10 naked dads. Holla! Uh, thanks again, guys, for inviting me onto your show, even though it's sort of more remote. Um, I love this movie. Again, I am Bob from Straight Chilling Podcast. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you guys are doing well. Can't wait to listen to the show. See you. John? Uh, well, uh, 10 out of 10 naked dads. Uh, Bob's very high on this film. Yes, he is. Um, I'll say uh, 9.5 out of 10. Heidelberg, what'd you give it? I gave it a 10 out of 10. No, I know. But what was the score? Oh, Casual Encounters. Uh, naked dads, if you want to go with that, since Bob, your choice. Oh, Jesus, yeah. um, choice, both very choice. 9.5 uh, casual encounters with naked, with naked dads. dads. I mean, those are the best kind, anyway. okay? 9.5. The answer is yes, 9.5 <laughs> out of 10 naked dads, casual encounters. Jacqueline, your turn. Well, well care to explain your rationale for that 9.5? No, okay, <laughs> no, no, because wow. it was just. I, Again, the acting was great. This was a completely different horror movie that that oh my god, the cinematography was great. Like 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 everybody has said, uh the score was great, the aesthetic was great. So no. I think John was just trying to save time because we have like five reviews tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. All right. I fair enough. All right. Your husband. Yes. So this is also unprecedented. My husband, Joey, who is a notorious horror hater, hater, I tell you, hater. he watched this movie with me. Okay. And I think I I was able to hook him in because he really enjoys the film Under the Silver Lake. And we we both really love that movie. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be watching this other movie by that guy. Would you just watch a few minutes while you're doing your physical therapy exercises. Just watch a few. And he's like, okay, I'll watch a few. you have to watch it right now. I'm like, yeah, you know, okay. I'll watch a few minutes. So, I mean, he just, it's horrible to watch a horror movie with him because he's always going like, <sighs> you know, making all these noises, <laughs> but like 15 minutes into this movie, he turned to me. He was like, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> so that is, I mean, that is a huge, nice coup you know. for this man um pretty, this never happens pretty good pretty 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 good so i was shocked i mean not really shocked because i'm like if he's gonna like something he's i mean he's got to like this right so but still it's like 
if anybody could hate on it, it would be him, but he liked it. And he ended up watching the whole thing through with me. Nice. Which I did not expect to happen. And at the end of it, he gave me a little capsule review and his review started with finally a good horror movie, which made me roll my eyes and scowl. (laughs) But he complimented it uh, by saying that he really enjoyed the cinematography. John, I don't know what you're doing with your hands. He complimented the cinematography. He thought it was really creative. And normally if he's ever going to like a horror film, it's like it has to be like a high budget film with a high production value but he's like this was not that and yet it was it was creative enough it was engaging the story was interesting it looks beautiful um he said the acting was serviceable i don't know what he means by that <laughs> but that he he really was surprised that he he enjoyed it he didn't actually give it like an out of 10 rating unfortunately I don't think he could ever give any horror film 10 out of 10 anything, but he really enjoyed it. And that is enough of a like review yeah. and rating for me, like basically a thumbs up. So I will take it. From Joey him. studied at Juilliard, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a scholar. Yeah, <laughs> I think that like there's a little bit more of a drawback for me than than you guys mentioned. Um, for me, I feel like there's there's not a a lot in the characters to like really latch on to like there's they're not like complex characters like there's some movies where like I am I feel like I know these characters really well and I know all their idiosyncrasies and their deep dark secrets and like I really care about them as people in this film I don't feel particularly attached emotionally to any of the characters I I feel the danger that they're in and I want well, mainly the main character, like I'm Jay, but, and I want her to escape from it, but I don't really feel like I know her so well. She's kind of a, an enigma. I don't want to say she's like a placeholder character, like just a character to be subjected to danger, but somewhere in between there, like she, she doesn't feel she's, she herself is not particularly interesting to me. So I just, I don't, I don't relate to the characters on an emotional level. Um, I also feel like plot wise, I think one of the film's greatest strengths is the simplicity of the concept. Like I mentioned before, like the, just the, the general feeling like something is out to get you, something is following you, something's after you that taps into something I think primal that you feel as early as childhood, but the plot itself, I think is maybe a little too simplistic um like if you were to try to just like somebody says what happens in this movie there's not a lot to say yeah i mean like you can just say oh there's an evil entity you get it past you, you know it's passed by sexual contact and you know you can explain the rules but like what happens in terms of like action or like what happens in the film there's not all that much to say and i think like somewhere like towards the end of the second act it gets a little slow um that's not a huge problem but it detracts a little bit for me that being said this guy knows how to make a 
beautiful movie and like a very engaging movie for most of the time I think it's very engaging I think there's a lot of careful attention to detail you guys have already talked at length about the aesthetic like the score and the look of it there's like such beautiful imagery and I even think some of those shots of like the decaying buildings contrasted with like the beauty of like the indoor swimming pool and the blood flowering underneath the water and she's being pulled under by her ankle. There's like contrasts in it that are really beautiful to the eye. I think Um, there's one moment that is like almost a nothing moment, but that just, I really appreciated just the, the attention to detail and the crafting of the film. It's when she's sitting on the swing in the park at dark Mm -hmm. and she's alone and she's like looking up in the trees and you can hear the wind rustling through the leaves and you can almost feel that breeze hitting you uh, and you hear the metallic squeaking of the chains on the, the swing that she's sitting on and it's very it's a very quiet sort of serene moment but she's also in danger and so there's like the there's like a lot of mixed emotions happening there like peacefulness and like beauty and nature but also danger and just like a lot of craft to it I think um, I really like this director. If you guys haven't seen Under the Silver Lake, go watch that too. I almost, I almost guarantee that you'll love it. Hell yeah! So that that's a strong recommend for me. But this this movie, I mean, it's a great movie. The the small detractions that I that I talked about are small. I give this movie eight point five casual encounters. Nice. So that's my final score. To piggyback on that too, if you're a big fan of It Follows and if you watch Under the Silver Lake and you like it, check out this dude's first flick, uh, uh, The Myth of the American Sleepover. It feels like a spiritual like precursor to It Follows. Like it dovetails pretty good right into it. So if you like the vibe and like that setting of like uncertainty of like teenage years, kind of angst and melancholy and transitioning into adulthood, it's got that too. That's great. Yeah. This guy seems to have a little bit of a focus on like the coming of age and like transitions and even under the silver Lake too. It's like the transition from like a weird, like gangly, like 25, 30 ish year old, like finding your way as an as a, a the ascended level of adulthood, like becoming like not a dirtbag anymore. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, definitely. And I would say that's not a horror film, but I think it's horror adjacent. I think there's a lot in it that is very dark and unsettling, and totally. um, creates dread as well. Yeah, I think we we talked about that briefly off to the side on the Slack channel, and I was glad that you backed that up because I didn't know if it was just me, but yeah, there's there's definitely uh, some tinges of that for sure, especially oh, like yeah. that dog killer. I don't think that's yes. a spoiler, but yeah, yeah, like that part when he's walking on that little path and he like sees that fucking shape. Oh man, that oh. that part fucking got me. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that gets me in that movie, but I'll I'll keep it quiet and just let you guys go see it, but. Um, I have some trivia for this movie. We're running long, but um, I definitely like I'm willing to kind of shove that aside because G Baby said that he had some interesting trivia points. So I kind of want to let you take the the spotlight on that. Just a couple. I can hit them real quick, too. Um, uh, One of my favorite pieces of trivia or like kind of like a funky Easter egg in this is um, at the very beginning when Hugh takes Jay to that that old tiny uh, theater, which is super dope, by the way. And I guess as a tangent to that, 
I had the opportunity to watch this fucking film. We, me and my wife were in uh, Santa Cruz and we were walking down the strip. We'd seen the, the trailer and we had done shit all day. And it was like, you know, it was towards the end of the night. And we had an opportunity to watch this at an old school theater, like the one that Hugh takes Jay to that has the organ and everything. Had yeah. this big, huge marquee and it follows his plane. And we didn't watch it. We were like, ah, it's too late. Let's turn in. We've done shit all day. And I kick myself for not oh watching that in the God. theater. That would have been so <laughs> cool. But anyway, when, when Hugh takes Jay to that theater and they're playing that name game, um or the, the trade the game trade game uh thank you um when he turns back and looks up towards the exit and he says what about the girl in the yellow dress and she she doesn't see it when it pan when the camera pans back to the exit sign the e and the x are occluded so it just says it so right where that gal was standing it's it yep oh so that's shit. the it that he's oh seen. i love that that is rad fucking, yeah, I love that so wow. much. Yeah, so go back and watch that and look out for that because it's. I will never they, not like, they, see that again. Yeah, they put. Yeah, it's like once you know that and you look at it, you're like, oh shit! Wow, that's a good little Easter that. egg. I like that. Yeah. I love that one. And then uh, what's the other piece? Oh, just about like the area and the director. He's from Detroit. He's he very much champions that area and he grew up there he actually went to the high school that they go to investigate Clawson high school he's a graduate of Clawson high school and i think it's it's either sterling heights or royal oak is the suburb of detroit um and then and then i've um, been i've been in michigan so i know nice well and so he grew up in that area and that's where um Myth of the American Sleepover is in the same exact area. He shot it like on a budget in, cool. in his same hometown. So I like that he champions like his hometown. He brings he brings all of that, you know, uh, institutional like knowledge of his area and everything and puts it into the film. And uh, there's like Sam Raimi, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's from Detroit, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sam Raimi. Yep. Oh, nice. And then one other thing too, this isn't trivia, but like Bob saying kids on bikes, that immediately made me think like, um, I don't know if anyone's seen summer of 84 and it's not as critically loved as this movie, but I love it too. I, I, it's almost, it's a totally different film, but it has a lot of similarities too. Um, if you like it follows check out summer of 84 i fucking love that film it has a lot of parallels with like the soundtrack is by this dude this i think he's french his name's lamatos he has the same kind of synth heavy really cool score uh similar to it follows and it's it's kids on bikes they're investigating a murder possible serial killer in their neighborhood it just it carries a lot of that that made me think oh yeah that's fucking why i like summer of 84 so much so if you like this check that out for sure Sweet. Yeah, that's been on my um to watch queue for a while. But oh. I just haven't gotten around to it. So <laughs> yeah, check it out. So sorry to step on your trivia. I was just I was done. No, I know you didn't step on rip it. Off those two. No, no, no. I want I didn't even have either of those trivia points. And so I wanted to kind of let you have a spotlight on that because we're running long anyway. Um Sweet. I just Thank you. I just want to give one trivia point. I don't even know if it's really trivia, but we were talking about that Dostoevsky quote that she reads at the end and 
So yeah, it's from The Idiot. And so the trivia section on IMDb says this sums up the film. And that's how I felt when I was watching it. And this kind of like is partially what led me to feel like this movie is about the inevitability of death. But the quote, the quote is, but here I should imagine the most terrible part of the whole punishment is not the bodily pain at all, but the certain knowledge that in an hour, then in 10 minutes, then in half a minute, then now, this very instant, your soul must quit your body and that you will no longer be a man. And that is certain, certain. So that's, I feel like that's, like you said, G-Baby, like those kinds of things are not haphazard. Like those things are deliberate choices to be put in there. And so I feel like that was really communicating something about what the, what the like core fear is here. And it's like the core, like the fear of death and trying to to escape it. She, She does that little excerpt in the beginning and then ends it in the end, right before the end with that. Yep. When she's in the hospital. Yeah. Right. So and that's... there's still no parents around. Well, yeah. <laughs> no. Kids are in hospitals. Kids are getting shot. Nobody, nobody, nobody's coming to see their kids in the hospital. Nope. <laughs> well, I think that's it for It Follows. Gee, baby, I cannot tell you how happy I think we all are. I'm going to speak for everybody and say we're so happy to have had you on the show. We hope you'll come back and Absolutely. lend your two cents for another episode yeah. sometime in the future. Maybe on the Burbs episode. Oh, yeah, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's wearing thank you very much for t-shirt. having me on yeah. yeah yeah it was great i loved hearing all your knowledge about it because clearly this is like a meaningful film to you like one of your favorites very important to you and so i knew that you'd bring a lot of insight and thought and i think you really kind of opened my eyes to some of the like more ambiguous things about the film that i hadn't really considered before and that just makes me appreciate it all the more awesome I'll always be a champion for this flick and I really appreciate you guys uh, bringing me on. This is really cool. It's awesome. Lots of fun. So that's it for It Follows. Hydraberg, I believe it is your pick next week. No, no, this was my pick. Oh, no. John, sorry. John, what is coming up for next week? I'm leaving. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Please forgive me. Uh, We are going to do the Texas Chainsaw massacre from netflix from 2022 the new one awesome john are we gonna have a special guest on next week we are who could it be andy gilly nice john's former from our phantasm episode yes yeah he has previously appeared on our phantasm episode he was also john's co-host on their previous podcast called Horrorphoria. Yes. He's a great guest. I'm really looking forward yeah. to having Andy on too. Nice. All right. So everybody go watch the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. In the meantime, if you'd like to email us and share some thoughts or ask us questions or anything at all, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Or we're on Facebook, a cut above colon or review. Yeah. And don't forget to rate us on uh, Instagram. And I mean, nope, not Instagram. Apple. No, no, it's iTunes, iTunes and Spotify. Spotify. Thanks. <laughs> really carrying you tonight, John. I'm tired. <laughs> Just kidding. You. Kicking in. I'm a long week. <laughs> John, by the way, for a moment there, yes. someone opened up your back door, I guess, to check to see if you were still recording. 
Okay. And it was so funny because we're talking about it follows. So it was just funny to see somebody like behind you. It was this weird tall guy. I don't know what he was (laughs) doing. Tall guy and rat boy were like, they wanted to see if you wanted to hang out. (laughs) Go on their road trip with them. Tall guy came through and then rat boy came through under his legs. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Jerberg. I wish I had a gif of what you just did. If I am not back (laughs) next week, I died. All right. Here we go. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, everybody go watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then come back and tune in with us next week and we'll review it for you. And keep it creepy.